Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
What a song. What a song. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Rory Sauter Show. I'm Rory Sauter, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you so much. Um, what's going on, everybody? I mean, I have, um, you know, just uh, following everything, story after story, headline after headline. Uh, we were not on the air last week, so uh, a lot to cover uh, this evening. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my audience and sponsors. You are all incredible. You are all amazing. The show is listened to in 25 countries and on 70 online platforms. And uh, we have a lot planned for the future of the Rory Sauter Show. Um, you know, a lot of different networks I'm signing with. I will be having my own network coming out very soon. Uh, it's about 90% completed. Um, we will be um, making a lot of different announcements here uh, in the coming days, so stay tuned for that. Um, so, yeah, guys, I mean, nothing but great, great, positive, um, you know, things ahead and, and a lot to look forward to, and we're more evolved than ever before. Um, we've come so far. I mean, here we are, episode 282. You know, I just picked up the mic three years ago. And uh, it became a routine. It became part of who I am. It became a, a natural gift. And um, I, I'm, I'm loving every second. You know, it, it's, it's a truly uh, an honor to be able to shine my light and uh, my voice on this platform and be able to share such a valuable message with 25 countries. I mean, that's, you know, that, that, you can't even write something this good. Um, but goddamn, the Rory, the Rory Sauter Show is back. Party time, party time. Um, you know, we, we always get into these uh, amazing conversations, uh, perfect dialogue, unbelievable guests. You know, so I'm really, um, you know, getting back into this, into this routine is always a, an adventure and always just a, a, a fun journey. So, uh, guys, uh, I, I want to I also mention uh, nice guests. We have a lot coming on. Uh, we have DC Insider and best-selling author of The Permanent Coop, Lee Smith. Uh, we have Senior Science Advisor to the Men's Health Network, Dr. Salvatore uh, Giorgiani, we'll be calling in. Uh, U.S. Congressional Candidate from Florida, Darren Aquino. Uh, founder of Freedom First Net and American Conservative Movement, J.D. Rucker. Uh, founder of Baldwin Research Institute and the St. Jude Re Retreats, Mark W. Sharon, will be calling in, along with U.S. Congressional Candidate from Florida, Dr. Eric Aguilier, retired NYPD police officer and lawyer Joe Murray, a political consultant and talk show host John Steubens, board member at Open America PAC Cody Parsons, political activist Equitol Middleton, a crime expert Carlo Cavazzuti, leaders of Blacks for Trump, and many, many more. Um, it's a, an all-star, all-star lineup. And as usual, every episode, um, just tons of people, tons of people call in. Um, I will be getting to everybody tonight, I promise. Um, wherever you are in the world, wherever you're listening, I hope you had a phenomenal weekend. I hope it went accordingly. I, uh, I hope everything is safe wherever, you know, you are residing. Um, you know, and we are li obviously living in a time that's uh, causing a lot of anxiety, causing a lot of depression, causing a lot of mixed emotions, causing a lot of, I mean, I, I've read terrible suicide statistics. I've read terrible, you know, uh, marital failures, um, drug, drug, drug problems more than ever. 
Um, I mean, you know, keeping people locked in their homes away from their everyday routine, uh, you know, those are where the real fatalities are going to come from, not from some scamdemic that was completely uh, set up. And and just, I mean, there's no doubt about it. This was no accident. I mean, this this is all about an election season. Um, But, guys, it just makes me sick. And, you know, um, with, with, with everything that we're facing, I mean, it's, it's a million things. It really is. It's a million, million things. It's, it, if it's not the scamdemic, then it's the riots in the streets. If it's not the riots in the streets, then it's the voter fraud. If it's not the voter fraud, then we got to worry about, you know, whatever, whatever lie the mainstream media is going to come up with next. I mean, it's like, it's like a never-ending cycle. I mean, this, this is where we are in our society. It's sick. Um, I want to welcome to the show. I believe he's with us. We have crime expert Carlo Cavazzuti. Carlo, how are you, buddy? I'm doing really well, Rory. How are you doing? Um, I am doing, you know, I'm doing. I'm here. I'm alive. I, you know, I feel great. I, uh, I'm, I'm overly energized. I have a lot of, a lot of enthusiasm right now. Um, pissed off, though, too. Very pissed off at uh, some of the things we're experiencing. I think, but I think that's understandable. Well, we, we all should be pissed off. And one yeah. of the biggest things that is pissing me off right now, I wrote an article for the published reporter uh, about cuties, uh, and it's on Netflix. Oh, uh, we're going to get into and, that, believe me. That has me livid. Yep, I mean, yep. the whole condoning so, of pedophilia uh, and all this bullshit. You got all these pedophiles out there jerking off to these little girls. I mean, it, it's a disgusting state of affairs. Yep, I'm not going to steal Mike Pompeo's thunder on that. Uh, but, uh, it, it, you know, it's just disgusting. And it is. And they're trying to normalize today, it. And I called this out on my, I called this out on my show months ago. I said, you know, it all starts with the drag queen story hour. And then they, they move their agenda slow, a little more slower. They like, they try to do it in a subtle way just to see how much they can get across and just to see how much, you know, they, they can really get away with. I mean, they, cause, and then if you try to confront them, then you're a Nazi, you're a bigot, you're hateful, you're not for equality. I mean, these people are, they're textbook politicians. It's all about divide. It's all about, you know, creating this, uh, I mean, it's evil. I mean, it doesn't get any more evil than, than that sort of narrative. Right. And this is what Saul Alinsky preached. And, you know, he was the hero right. to Hillary right. and Obama. And he said, you Yep, you ask for a lot, but you settle for what little they'll give you, and eventually you will get everything you want. And this is the road we're headed down in this country. Uh, I never thought when I was a kid growing up in the 50s and 60s that I would see such acidic uh, lifestyles of people and cops getting shot by the – the hundreds. I, I mean, really? I, I I grew up respecting the cops. You know, I had a cop follow me home one night because Absolutely. I didn't have my driver's license. I wasn't right. afraid of the cop, Rory. I would have done anything he told me anyways. But right. I was That's afraid true. of my dad. And, and my dad said to the <laughs> cop, did he get smart with you? He says, no, he was fine. Because my dad would have given me an ass whooping at 18. You know, he he was that kind of guy. But, it, it, you know, these God, these pro athletes, what the hell is becoming a pro sports? We, we cannot abide pro sports 
with the platforms that they are taking, um, Antifa, uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, putting yeah. rapist names on their helmets because oh, they I got know. shot. It's, it's well, sinful. It, it, you know, it is. It is. And then they suspend a couple high school kids when they come on the field for a game and, and one try of them to flying. Blue li- they try to support Blue Lives Matter. Yep. They try try to support the cops, and then they get kicked out of school. It's ridiculous. Exactly. That, that is disgusting. And that never it would is. have happened back when I was in high school. Uh, we would right. have been cheered running out on the field with, with a Blue Lives Matter, uh, yeah. first responders' lives matter. We would have been cheered on. It, it just it all goes to show, Carlo, how, how times are changing. And a lot, a lot of this is to blame is the education system. I mean, you have these moronic, idiotic, you know, smelly socialist professors that look like they haven't showered in about two years uh, that, you know, are indoctrinating all these young kids with uh, completely backwards ideology. And I think that's where a lot of this comes from because you don't see old school people acting like this. It's a lot of the new age millennials who who are creating these fits and these crimes and are the real they're just the real menaces to society. I mean, that's the reality. Right, right. I mean, it, it, this is still all part of Saul Alinsky's plan, and yep. hence the Democrat Party. You know, they say once you yeah. control their health care, once you control their education, once you control what you give them, you got them for a lifetime. And it's this true. will not be the same country. This election is going to mean so much. We either have a country or we're just going to be another third world country digging in garbage cans for food uh, unless we were one of the special people. Right. And, right, no, it, you know. No, it's true. It's true. Uh, Carlo, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna I'm, I'm to get back to you um, right after I get to my opening segments. I'm going to have you give your responses because I'm going to get into all this stuff you're talking about. But I'm glad you could be with us tonight. Um, and I will be getting to everybody on the panel. Well, I'm very honored you had me on the show, Rory. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Stay with us. Uh, I want to welcome to the show, I believe we have U.S. congressional candidate from Florida, um, another good friend of the show, uh, Dr. Eric Aglier. Eric, how are you, sir? Hey, how's it going, Rory? How's life? Uh, you know, it's... Uh, Good. It's going, it's going well. It's going well. I can't, I, you know, I can't complain. You know, I, it, you know, I, I guess I have my good and my bad days, but uh, you know, things are, things are, um, you know, I, you know, I'm. Well, you got a lot you know, of things going. What, so that's what, a good uh, thing. Yeah, you know, compared to what other people are dealing with, you know, my my stuff is very minor, you know. So, and and I, you know, I I look at pretty much every day is you know, for the most part, in, in, a, in a positive light, and I try to make the best of it. And, I mean, you know, I I think, I think you know, I struggle with depression just like a lot of other people, um, you know, and I have my own things. But, I mean, overall, life is, life is okay. What about you? No, no, that's good. I mean, uh, you got a lot of things going on, that's for sure. You're really a busy guy, kind of get all, all the shows, yeah. and we really, I think everybody on the panel will, will agree with me that we appreciate everything that you do for us and, and try to go ahead and uh, give us our message that we want to go ahead and spread out there to people and bring some sanity back to this country, right? With all this nonsense that goes on. Absolutely. So. I mean, it's just, and it, it, you know, 
it's, it's, it's sad to watch what's going on. It's also appalling. It's also very embarrassing. And in certain ways, it's funny. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, these people, you, you never see people act in this sort of extreme manner. I mean, it's like, like I tell you all the time, Eric, this is the craziest movie I've ever seen. And, and 2020, the year 2020 is the craziest movie. I, I've never seen a movie this violent. And I, and I think, I think where a lot of my depression comes from, I just think it's, it's, it's picked up. I think, I think a lot of it is the vibe in the air. I think everybody out there is depressed with how 2020 has just complete, completely been, I mean, just devastation after devastation with, with death. I mean, with terrorist attacks, with people, I mean, you know, it just goes on and on, man. It's like you can feel, like I pick up on other people's energy. It's weird. Yeah, no, I, I got to it. It's really interesting because, you know, I didn't win my primary race. I was uh, running for the Florida 4th uh, District um, here in St. Augustine, Jacksonville, and also Fernandina Beach. I didn't win my primary, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to stop and go to 2022. Because one of the things, you know, kind of you're mentioning is, you know, we're going to 2020, but, but then what, what was going to happen in 2024? Real, real quick, like everybody out there is zombies. Like everybody, you know, the fear mongering. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it's like society is not going back to normal fully. I don't think ever. I think there's always going to be that certain amount of people that are going to be scared in their own in their own little zone, and and that's you have the media and you have the politicians to blame for this crap. And I think it's totally unacceptable. And I think there should be repercussions because think about all the psychosis and mental stuff people are going to have to go through. Um, you know, when they were taken out of their everyday life and their everyday duties. And I mean, it's just, it's what all these polls I see, of, uh, like I said earlier in the show of all these different things that people are dealing with, whether it's drugs, whether it's uh, divorces, whether it's suicide, whether it's, um, I mean, it goes on and on the list. I mean, there's more fatalities, there's more problems, times a million with, with, with shutting down, you know, the economy and, and shutting down people's lives than there ever will be with this stupid disease. I mean, this was this is was less severe than the flu. This was all political. It was all a setup, and, and it's really sick. I mean, I mean, the American people have to fight back. I mean, we really can't just keep sitting around. I mean, it's our our duty, our choice. No, I agree. It's, it's definitely our choice because one of the things that we're looking at, you know, I was running was for because of 2024 also, because 2024 is going to also give us a shift. Right now, I know we're in 2020, people are thinking 2020, uh, what's going to happen, but I'm very confident that the president's going to win re-election here in Jacksonville. We're definitely supporting in Duval County to try to get that message yeah. so he can get reelected. because Northeast Florida is a very, very important part um, when it comes to counteracting some of the South of Florida votes, but hopefully South Florida will wake up a little bit more <laughs> they're going to go ahead and vote for the president so we could take, uh, keep Florida red and keep that moving. Because if you look at it, I mean, if you look at the whole spectrum of how everything has changed, right? We, we have seen these Democratic attacks coming, you know, before. But this time, if you actually look at the orchestration of everything coming out, such as like the Facebook, one of the things I've just been noticing on Facebook is, is despicable, in my opinion, how Facebook has been doing. They've been giving free advertising to the NBA. And then giving free advertising to election, then all of a sudden Facebook has become a plethora of information to try to get people to vote and mail and vote. Right now, today oh, in the yeah. mail, I got the post oh, office yeah. 
is telling me, hey, how can I help you so you can mail in your boat? I mean, I never right. got that before. Well, it is ridiculous. Yeah, the NBA, the NFL, I mean, the yeah. failure of local elected leadership, too, that they don't talk to the communities. Here we're in a heavy Republican area in the way in Duval County, but then we have a high Democrat registered voter, but then the leadership here does not really talk to other communities. And now it's, to me, it's, you know, it's still very concerning. That's why we're out there a little bit more trying to get people to basically, hey, it's basically America, uh, capitalism or communism. You really do not want communism, especially in the Latino voters. You really do not want to go back into those countries that you left and you come over here and you want to go back into something that's communism, basically what you fled, and now you're bringing it here. It's like, no, we can't keep doing this. It's madness at the end of the day. Right, and, and everything that's going on right now, I mean, it, you know, l- look at look at how this whole, you know, just the whole COVID thing. I mean, it was only so, we were only supposed to cover the spread for a couple weeks, and now it's going on eight months. And, and what this was all this was all part of their distraction plan. They wanted to put this out there so they could put forth other agendas like this Black Lives Matter, like all this stuff they're doing, voter voter fraud. The taking over sports. I mean, it goes on and on because there's so many other things that we're, we're, we have to focus on. But, I mean, it's like a million things at once. And they're doing so many things behind closed doors. I mean, it's, you know what? And like the hypocrisy with condoning the rioting, but people, a law-abiding citizens have to wear masks and socially distance. I mean, it's such bullshit. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just sick of it, Eric. I'm really sick of it. And you know what? It's like these these governors and these these mayors and these certain elected officials have way too much power. Yeah, and and that's one of the things that people need to wake up in the more to know that you know our constitution was made for basically limiting the government, not the people. And this is where right. we have to rise up and make sure yeah. that we elect good people. And yeah. you know, because if you look at the death rate, even with COVID nineteen, first of all, I was in the Navy for twenty years. I lived in confined spaces most of my career. So I know yeah. disease spreads very, very quickly, and we know how to protect ourselves. Right. And sometimes I right. mentioned to people, if COVID-19 was really that dangerous and that fatal, we all would have been dead yeah. by now. It would have exactly. been, the whole planet would have exactly. been dead. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, it's like, for them to tell me, yeah. it's like, eh, yeah. I, don't, I don't buy it. Yeah, it's like it's like by now, Eric. We we all probably have it. I mean, who knows? I mean, we everybody exactly. has it by now. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, it's such a, a weird, weird disease. I mean, it makes. I mean, we've we've gone through so much crazier, worse things that haven't even been established or even you know dealt with properly. But this, you know, everybody starts screaming and panicking. You know, it, it, it's it's crazy. But, Eric, I'm going to get into a lot of things tonight. I'm going to get your thoughts on a lot of different opinions. Uh, glad you could join us, man. Yeah. Glad to get into. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Rory. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, I want to welcome to the show. I believe he's with us. We have activist Equintal Middleton. Uh, how you doing, buddy? From New York, New York City. How's it going, man? The big NYC. How's it going, Roy? Congratulations, man. He said show 282. 282, baby. Here we are. 282, almost three years later. I mean, he's living the dream. Living the dream. 
man, I'm out here in New York, man. We're giving you props. You're the man. You're the man. What's going on over there? Give us, give us the low, give us the lowdown. How, how's everything going over there? I mean, people are moving and getting the hell out of there. I mean, there's, and there's a lot of crazy crime going on. I keep hearing New York reports, man. It's scaring me. New, yeah, New York is crazy. Uh, you know, it's always been, uh, you know, the city that never sleeps, and uh, you know. You know, violence has always been one of the main things going on here. But um, right now, there's so much uncertainty that, uh, you know, we've gotten increased amounts of, uh, you know, shootings. Uh, I think uh, Brooklyn is one. Uh, uh, Let me see. The Bronx. And it's just crazy, man. Um, You know, people just don't know what to do. You know, there's uh, uncertainty brings you know, lack of, you know, people don't know how to be resilient. People just don't have contentment and uh, people are just losing it. You know, like you said, I think that it is depression month, right? Depression awareness month. Right. Suicide is going crazy. And uh, people are, you know, as we move in towards these elections, man, people are losing hope. They are losing hope, you know, and it's, uh, it's an unfortunate thing. Unfortunate. I hear you. I hear you, man. I hear you. It's we're living in dark times. That's for sure. As, um, I'm really glad your you first did. guest, your first guest, yeah. the detective. You know, he's a detective. He said something that hit a vein in me because uh, I did a video on YouTube talking about the cops. In in my time when I was coming up, you know, we had a rough hood, a lot of drugs going on, but we had one particular cop that would come in the area and pick us up and take us to play basketball. He would, he would, you know, bring us all in the, uh, me, Ja Rule, a couple of other guys, and we would go in his van, and he would take us to the park and to certain community gyms, and we would play ball with this guy. And he was our friend. You know, that right there is, uh, it shows a lot about where we are, where we've come. You know, he was a, he was a police officer. He'd come pick us up. And we had a different outlook on police back then. This was, uh, I'll say, like, Late eighties, mid mid to late eighties. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, I mean, we just don't have the respect for authority and leadership and policemen anymore. Right? No, I hear you. I hear you. The war, the war on cops needs to stop. You know, it's it's really a a terrible epidemic right now. That uh, it, every day I'm, I read about a new situation where a cop is getting attacked, and it's. And we're going to get into a lot of that tonight, and I'm excited to have you join us. So uh, thank you for being on the panel. I'm going to get your comments here right after I get into my opening segments. But uh, uh, I'm, I, lo- I always love your insight, my friend. God bless, man. I'm here. All right. All right, buddy. Thank you. Stay with, stay with us. Stay with us. Um, I want to welcome to the show. Uh, I believe he's with us. We have uh, the founder of Freedom Person at the American Conservative Movement, J.D. Rucker. J.D., what's up, buddy? How are you? Not much. Just uh, trying to stay afloat. Trying to stay afloat through all this craziness in the world. I hear you, man. I mean, it's, dude. It's, oh my god. I mean, where do I even begin? I mean, where? I, I just, I, I watch these videos on YouTube and TikTok, and I just sit there, and it. You can just keep scrolling and scrolling. I mean, these people in the streets, they leave a lot of entertainment. I'll tell you. I mean, it's. I mean, you can't. And just when you thought you've seen it all, they go even further. I mean, there's like no, like I say on my show all the time, there's no limits with these people. They'll go to whatever extreme necessary 
if they think they're getting their point across in their own, obviously in their own little delusional world. But, um, you know, I mean, it's just a definitely a weird, weird dynamic. So I can tell you that. Absolutely. I mean, this is the, this is a, the results of a society that has let go of principle, just morals and become too woke. And when I say society, I'm not just talking about, Democrats or leftists. I'm saying moderates and a lot of so-called Republicans who have yeah. you know, really turned far too secular, turned turned away from from the principles that guided us for decades. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. That's absolutely true, JD. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm really glad you could join us tonight. I, w- I want to hear all your thoughts after I get into op- my opening rants. Um, we have a lot of uh, big talking points to get into. Um, stay with us. Um, I'm gonna get. To, I'm gonna get to every single person tonight. Um, I, I want to introduce to the show. I believe he's with us right now. Um, we have. Let's see, we have retired NYPD police officer and lawyer Joe Murray. Joe, how are you? Hey, Rory. Thanks for having me. I really enjoy the show, and I'm glad to be on again. Uh, I'm I'm doing pretty good. I gotta say I'm very happy today. I, you know, I saw our president. You know, it's funny because I said to people, you know, there are people that even if this president got peace in the Middle East, they wouldn't like him. And here he goes. He does it. He had that uh, wonderful ceremony today, and accomplishing something that hasn't been done. You know, it's just so amazing the yep. work that he does yep. while he has healed. Every time he turns around, can you imagine if they just accepted him as our president and allowed him to work? What he could accomplish if he wasn't? I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. And I talk about it on my show all the time, Joe. I mean, I I always say he's delivered on eighty percent of his promises within three years. Eighty percent of his promises. Within three years, if he had a Congress that would work with him, he would already have given a hundred percent of his promises within three years. I mean, so it's very simple. Exactly. I mean, but the fact that he's the fact that he delivered on eighty percent in three years is unheard of. No president, most presidents after eight years don't even deliver ten percent. I mean, this guy is the greatest thing that ever happened to American civilization. I agree. And I agree. World. He's I mean, really if, dumb. If we, if we, if we, if we, hey, hey, Joe, if we want to be realistic here. He's, he's perhaps the greatest thing to ever happen to the world. I mean, the guy has brokered and uh, established three peace deals in one month. He's already nominated for two Nobel Peace Prizes in, in a, within two <laughs> weeks of each other. I mean, I've never seen – this is a magician. This is a miracle man. This guy could probably walk on water. I mean, I, I, I don't know, but I would not be shocked if he could. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'll tell I mean, you, this guy yeah. – he knows how to get it done. You know, he's he's driven and motivated yeah, and, he, and passionate. And he shows no emotion. He shows no emotion. I mean, this guy, nothing, I mean, it's like nothing phases him in terms of the media getting to him, anybody trying to slow him down, anybody trying to delegitimize him. It, it just makes him work even harder. The, hater, the haters, right. are, I think, are what pump him up. I think he actually gets a rise out of it. I think you're right. I think you're right. Like, he looks at it as a challenge. I will win them over. Yeah. I will win this. And, I will win yeah. that. Yeah, and look at, look at, I mean, one of the one of the main, let's face the facts, one of the 
main reasons why he won the election was because he how well he mastered the media. He, he mastered the media perfectly. He played them like a fiddle. They could not stay away. They were obsessed with him like a crack pipe. And I mean, that, that's the fact. Absolutely. He's a problem solver. He gets things done. He's motivated. He fixes things. It's just he's the right guy at the right time in that position. Uh, and yeah. especially with all the, the madness going on. Thank God he's there. And, you know, there's a lot of lot to be said for the fact that he is. they're attacking him because he's in between us and the evil. He's the, you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's what's yeah. defending us. If it weren't for right. him taking this on, you know, where right. would we be? And I, I, and I'd be remiss if I talk, didn't talk about we just passed uh, another landmark with 9-11. Again, and sadly, I have to report that, you know, a good friend of mine about two months or so ago passed away. We came on the job together. He died of 9-11 related uh, cancers. It's terrible. It's still affecting all of us. Uh, It's just outrageous that when I think of that and I look at Governor Cuomo, a third term governor, and Mayor de Blasio, you want to grab him by the neck. You want to grab both of them by the goddamn neck. Well, you know, it's just that he's a third-term governor. She's a he's a second-term mayor, and they constantly attack the mayor. They they attack the president, a first-term president, for their response to this COVID. I can't stand it. Yeah, these guys yeah. know full they are well what we pointing the finger. They point the finger yes. and they blame they blame the president of what they're guilty of. I mean, these people are textbook. How are these guys, as New Yorkers, chief executives, and they know and they see, because each time someone dies, we add another name to that wall, they still see all of these first responders passing away and dying and suffering from all of these 9-11-related illnesses that could have been avoided with the proper protective equipment that they hadn't prepared and stockpiled that equipment, and now they're blaming the president. It's just shocking. Uh, And here's here's the big problem. Here's the big problem. And I'm going to get into 9-11. Actually, you know, I want want to get into the whole 9-11 segment uh, since I was not on the air last week, and I actually have a lot of stuff to say about 9-11, but you know, 9/11 has been, you know, just just to rep, rep, you know wrap this up real quick before I get into my rant, and then I'm going to get back to you for comments. Um, right. You know, 9/11 has been used as a political pawn. I mean, they they've used this in such a partisan way, mostly the Democrats, and I, you know, at, at times the Republicans. And it's really never there's never been enough transparency, whether it's documents hidden from the families whether it's all these different cover-ups and different secrets. I mean, 9-11 has so many unanswered questions and so many things that are red flags, and it's actually pretty sad and sick because there's a lot of people on the inside that know what really happened, and I don't think we'll ever know. Yeah, it's sad that, you know, we have such distrust for our government, but it's not like we don't have the right to distrust it with all that has been happening especially with this Russia gate nonsense that was going on. I can't oh, yeah. wait until Attorney, Attorney General Barr really just drops the hammer on this crew. 
You know, it's just yeah, outrageous well, what yeah, this yeah. government has done. No, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Joe, stay with us. I'm going I'm to get right back to you for comments. Um, I'm, I'm going to get into opening rants. Um, you know, there's just a few main headlines of the day as well as some of the small stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I first want to go and talk about 9-11. Obviously, um, I was not on the air last week. And, um, you know, Friday was the day uh, that we all remember 19 years ago. Um, we'll never forget that moment. We'll never forget the victims. We'll never forget the heroes. You know, we'll, we'll always obviously remember where we were. I mean, I, I know where I was. I was um, I was in, what what was I, four? I think I was, was it fourth grade, 2001. I believe, yeah, I was either fourth or fifth grade. I know I was at Stevens Elementary in Seattle, Washington. I mean, just, and just did a, ever, all schools closed. I mean, it was just this crazy, 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 uh, just, just America had never experienced in so, in so long, if ever. I mean, I think those were the most fatalities and the, the highest death rate out of any, out of any, you know, in terms of terrorist attacks, that's for sure. And, and on American soil. Um, so, I mean, this was, this was something just insane. And, you know, we look back and, you know, obviously it seems like yesterday in certain, certain aspects, in other ways, it seems like it's been years. I mean, it's been like 19 years, just, just as I just said, but, you know, it, it, it's frustrating. It's saddening because it, it, I, I really don't believe that this kind of stuff just happens. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't attack the most powerful country in the entire world. Um, I mean, nobody is, I just don't believe in a lot of ways that any country is third world country is that stupid because if you, you know, if you really think about it, we could destroy any third world country with a, a couple hits of missiles. I mean, we are so much more evolved than anyone else in terms of nuclear weapons, you name it. I mean, I don't even need to go into all these different uh, variables of what I'm referring to. You can go look, just look at how, how, how much of, a, of a, a huge commodity we've been for all these years. But my point is, this, 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 this whole, you know, and the buildings, I mean, if you really look at, where's the explanation for Tower 7? What, you know, Tower 7 was a building that, I mean, you know, didn't get hit by, didn't get hit by the, the freaking plane. It burned to the ground. And people know the building of Tower 7 was net, was those kind of buildings. I mean, you, you, you look at the research and you look at kind of the documentaries, they're not supposed to burn. They're built not to burn. Same thing with how the World Trade Centers. Those, those buildings were, you know, were not meant, uh, regardless of impact to fall. I mean, they, they were built of, look at, look at the steel. Look at, look at what they were actually built of. Like, it, there, there's, there's so much detail online. And these are not conspiracy theories. I mean, you look at the insurance policy that was taken out, the terrorism insurance, a few days before the towers hit. Uh, you saw Larry Silverstein, who bought the building. Um, which, which drawed a lot of weird issues. They took the gold out of the bottom of the building a couple of days before the tower hit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying definitely that this was all a, an inside job of setup, but there's so many different things that I look at. I mean, why did we go after, why did we not go after Saudi Arabia? 
Because if you really want to go do your research, Saudi Arabia was the ones that were mostly behind this. I mean, sure, Ben Laden, you know, was one of the faces, but they ultimately in these situations, they have to paint a fall guy. They have to paint somebody as the main enemy. But there were, there were so many, you know, different um, uh, personalities involved. And I, I believe our U.S. government was too. I believe this 9-11 attack, and I don't want to be disrespectful, but I believe this was an excuse for Bush and Cheney to take us to war. I'm not, you know what, I'm an anti-war guy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a conservative. I, I never thought Bush was a real conservative, though. I always thought Bush was a rhino. I mean, he's not even supporting Trump. So why are we giving Bush any sort of credit? And, I mean, look at, just look at how much money and unnecessary wars that, that Bush started. Afghan, Iraq, uh, you know, and, and we all know why they didn't go after Saudi Arabia. Because Saudi Arabia is the one that, I mean, in a lot of ways, financially, they have so much power and influence. And, you know, the U.S. did not want to ruin that relationship. But, you know what, I mean, this, this, this is crazy. This is, this is odd. This is odd. I mean, and then you have, I mean, how the hell, here's, here's another in- interesting question. How are these guys from third world countries, and they're not, you know, take without, are you telling me they've studied for years and years in pilot programs? Are you telling me, because I know, I know pilots. I know what they have to go through. It, you know, it's not the easiest thing to do. I, I mean, it, it, there's so much more here. And I don't really know the answers. I don't know what to say. I just know that from what I read, and I do a lot of research, I, I thoroughly investigate so many different outlets before I come to any sort of conclusion or any sort of, you know, assumption or thought. But it, it, it's just, it's odd. It, and, you know, they made the term conspiracy theorists after they killed JFK because they wanted to make it sound like if anybody ever questioned the government's narrative that they were crazy, that they were insane, and that we are always supposed to believe the government. No. I mean, that's not how, that's not how it works. And I also believe that there were some deaths. I believe the U.S. Uh, was in trouble um, with certain things. And I think, I mean, I, I, look, at the mili- look at the military-industrial complex. Look at how much of a business it is. Look at how pissed they are, they are at Trump for Trump getting us out of all these wars. I mean, and speaking of, Trump is getting ready to get us out of Afghanistan. He's already talking about it. He's getting us out of Iraq. He's pretty much already gotten us out of Syria. He just signed three peace deals with the Middle East. So, I mean, you know, I mean, these politicians have led so badly for so many years. And it's just, you know, it's sad. It's sad to because I it, it breaks my heart and it frustrates me knowing that there's more to the story and that these innocent lives were taken from us, you know. Just I mean, they, and and all these these cops that put their life on the line and all these firefighters and I mean, just all the the economy, what it did to New York. I mean, there's Jesus Christ. You know, there's even there's even people that have real factual people that are not paid for by the government that have done investigations saying there's no way that these cowards should have fell based on how, how the planes went in. It's just so odd. And then Tower 7 just randomly falls and it catches on fire. I mean, come on, dude. 
And then what, what is the other building? So somebody, somebody tried to make the excuse that didn't really, you know, buy into this theory. Well, uh, when those buildings come down, you know, other buildings get affected because of the rumbling and the earthquake. Well, I get that, but there, there wasn't any other buildings like Tower 7 that just fell. I mean, there were, I think there were a few other buildings that kept, caught fire, but they didn't fall down. We have, we have to know more. We have to know more. Because I think there was some de- there was something there. There was death. There was something. I don't know. But uh, you know, moving on. Um, and we can all we can all talk about 9/11. I mean, I, I sometimes I've talked about this whole freaking segment for an hour. I mean, there's so many different theories I have. Um, yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, go, going into what happened over the weekend though in Compton. Um, here's two cops sitting in their car. You know, and um, just minding their own business, looking out for our safety, looking out for our community. And some thug comes up point blank range, shoots them, and then runs away. And then you've got jerk off thugs, you know, the ones that have no class and no respect for society. They come up and start taunting, putting it all over uh, virally and not even calling for help. I mean, the cops had to call their own reinforcements. I mean, it, this is how fucked up um, people are in our society and in some of these inner cities and, and just in other places as well. I mean, they, they, it's like they want cops to die. I mean, the war on cops is no joke. It's more scarier than ever before. And a lot of these people, you know, you know that, that hate cops, that are after cops, those are the first people they call if they get robbed or they're in trouble or their home gets invaded. Or, you know, something's happening. And, and what are you going to do when you, when you don't have that luxury anymore? You know, because I, I know where I'm from, Seattle, Washington. I haven't lived there in nine years, but it's where I grew up. I know where I'm from. The, the scenario is there's been like 100 cop calls in like a week time frame, and that, that could not be accounted for. The cops could not show up because they were short on staff. And this is going to keep happening. Cops are resigning in does. They are resigning in, in packs all over the country. Just look at Ro- Rochester this past week. I mean, what, what a mess. I mean, cops are resigning there. And, and think about why these people are rioting. Think about why they're doing what they're doing. They're doing it off of a false narrative, off of fiction. We clearly see in the videos, I mean, all these videos lately – have been justified in terms of the cops defending themselves. This, this is not, I mean, and, and he, here, here's what people come up with. Just because the color of their skin automatically, it's a racist hate crime against a white, from a white, from a white police officer going after an unarmed black man. If I hear the term unarmed black man one more time, I swear to God. I mean, the, you know what? The, the, the media is should be people that are reporting fake news are 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 empowering radicals. They are making people act out on these behaviors. They they are complicit, and we do not point this out enough. CNN, MSNBC, these stations need to be held to a higher standard. Because they want to make everything about race, they want to make everything about hate crime, they want to divide the country, and now they're on board with the war on cops. And this whole peaceful protesting, I mean, aren't we beyond that already? 
I mean, how fucking stupid do you have to be if you believe the whole term peaceful protest even exists anymore? These people are not peaceful. There's nothing cordial or civil about them. Either you agree with them or they'll get in your face and they'll come after your family. They'll destroy your personal life. So, you know, it's insane. And President Trump is demanding the death penalty for, for the guy who shot L.A. deputies. I mean, it, it is, I mean, he, attempted murder, attempted first-degree murder. He went up to, he, he totally premeditated. Uh, President Trump announced today, uh, the, or the other day, uh, the new Supreme Court list will include such a wide variety of all-star judges. And think about how pivotal and uh, important and impactful and huge this is for our country in the coming years. I mean, this is going to set the standard and, and, and bring back all our signature values and what Western civilization was founded upon. And it's going to create a, a, a phenomenal future for our children and for, for the next generation. So, you know, um, I'll tell you what, having all these judges is one of the greatest gifts Obama could have ever gave Trump. I'll tell you, Trump has filled what? Almost 200, almost 200 judge, federal judge seats. And this, this is good stuff. This is really good stuff. Um, you know, like I said earlier, uh, President Trump has made peace with has made has made peace broke. He has brokered peace deals three times in the past month. All in one month, he's brokered and made three peace deals. He's already nominated for two Nobel Peace Prizes in the last couple weeks. I've I've never seen anything like this, and he's he's bringing everybody together. And all these naysayers, all these media people, all these liars that said, you know, he's never going to bring peace. He's just going to divide and start wars. Uh, They were lying because he's doing the opposite. He's bringing our troops home. He's making peace. Uh, He's doing everything he said he was going to do. And it's it's lovely to watch. Um, Let's see here. You know, here's something really scary. We talked about earlier in the show a little bit, uh, big tech censoring. Uh, you know, Twitter is censoring the president. I mean, really take that in for a second. You have Twitter censoring the president of the United States. This, and I've said on my show many times, and I'll say it again, the, one of the main, if not the biggest threat we face as a nation is big tech and their power and their influence. They can do anything. I know. I've been in this business a long time. I build apps. I own an app development company, build tracking devices. I, I can hack into systems. I know, I know the severity of what these people can, can pull off. And they're messing. I mean, think about that. When you have all the fake news out there and you have all this bullshit going on, and the only way you can properly communicate with your supporters to give them the absolute truth, you know, that, that gets censored. Oh, my God, dude. I mean, this, this is out of control. It's out of control, and it's funded by dark money. It's funded by China. It's funded by Saudi Arabia. It's funded by all these asshole foreign entities that are trying to change American values and trying to change what our Constitution was built upon. Jesus Christ. Uh, did anybody see the Mueller team erase all the data on the phones, and then they said, oh, it was accidental? I mean, come on. Are we really supposed to believe that? I mean, you, I mean, that's like saying the dog ate your homework. 
And then you got Peter Stork making excuse after excuse, you know, all the leaked text messages, you know, saying, oh, oh, no, that was, that was, that, you know, that was just, oh, no. I mean, the guy's a phony. Mueller and his team, I mean, think about it. Three years leading us on a witch hunt, $40 million of taxpayer money spent, hours and hours of interviews, hundreds and hundreds of people they've talked to, and they had nothing. Not one thing. And anything anybody was charged with had nothing to do with the Trump campaign. It was only to kind of, you know, front and cover themselves and make this, to make it look like they were actually doing something, you know, I guess constructive in all that time. I don't know. But, it, you know, it, it's ridiculous. It is. And they let us down this whole thing. You know, remember all the liberals and all their stupid mottos? It's Mueller time. It's Mueller time. Uh, yeah, what happened to that, guys? Where's Mueller at now? Where is he? A lot of these people, I mean, there's indictments coming. I just read the other day, John Durham and A.G. Barr, in the next week or so, uh, we should be hearing some bombshell revelations. So get ready for that. And, you know, uh, speaking of tech, uh, Mark Zuckerberg just funded – no, he didn't just fund it, but he – he didn't just fund it, but he's, he's been involved for a while. Uh, he, one of the groups that he's involved with uh, is involved with voting fraud, voter fraud, election meddling in Wisconsin. And we know how important Wisconsin is. It's one of the biggest battleground states. So, I mean, there, I, mean I, I knew this all along. I mean, you know, whether it's Facebook directly, directly or whether it's Zuckerberg and his other cronies with their other little, uh, you know, organizations and groups they create, they're doing whatever they can to stop Trump. And we, we've got it. We've got to really, um, you know, address this and then stand up as Americans. I'll tell you, um, you know, and, and he, you know, Biden, uh, I want to go over to this Biden thing real quick. Isn't it funny how this guy can't even form a complete sentence or count to four? I mean, it's actually kind of sad, but now we find out that he's actually using a teleprompter, and he's, he's still that slow. He's using a teleprompter, and he still can't form a complete sentence. I mean, and, and his, we, we saw one of his campaign people on Fox News the other day make excuse after excuse, saying they're not going to entertain that. I'm not going to say anything to Fox News. You know, well, don't, don't, don't the voters deserve to know the truth? I mean, come on. Stop hiding. We call you hot. We call we call him hiding Biden for a reason. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what a joke. I mean, reading a teleprompter at like a mile an hour. I mean, this guy is like, I mean, no, not a mile an hour. Like one, this guy is like, I can't even. Oh my God! And he's and he's promising Wall Street all this extra money. I mean, typical. I mean, and he even said in leaked phone calls, leaked records, that what he says to people on the campaign trail, he's just talking. He doesn't actually mean that he's gonna hold Wall Street accountable or any of these billionaires accountable because he knows that's where his bread and butter comes from. He's only filling up his own pockets. He's only enriching his family dynasty. That's all he wants, if you want to call it a dynasty it's a crime family is what it is um here's something really disturbing and this goes into the the um cuties thing um burger king is and is now depicting a mascot 
uh, gay kissing with Ronald McDonald. So, you know, their definition of this is, oh, well, it's bringing peace and love and love for everybody. And, um, you know, it's showing how everybody can be equal and show how everybody can be inclusive and get along okay and we can we can all coexist and no i mean that's not that's not what that's not what you guys are trying to do you guys are trying to indoctrinate again you guys are trying to shove this down people's throats and let's face the facts who is the main people that go to mcdonald's i mean obviously adults go but majority are little kids and little kids see this stuff and then they start getting ideas i mean this is sexually provocative in a lot of ways, this is condoning pedophilia. This, I mean, how, how can you sit back? I mean, and it's bad for business. This is mixing politics with business. I mean, I don't care what somebody, I don't care what somebody's sexual orientation is, but I mean, come on. I mean, why do you need to advertise it to the entire world? Why is, why can't you just keep it to yourself? That's great. You're, you know, whatever, you know, whether you like dick, whether you like pussy, whether you like Whatever. That's your own business. But stop putting it on children. Children be children. Let them live their life. Stop. McDonald's and Burger King know this is wrong. And this is just more, um, what do we call this? There's a certain term. I mean, this is part of the PC culture. This is what it is. And finally, finally, getting to this whole cuties bullshit. Oh, my God. Can you guys actually believe this Netflix thing? These people are out of their minds. I mean, they've they've gone to a whole nother level. I mean, they are crossing every boundary on earth. I mean, you have little girls shaking their little, little, you know, tatas, their asses, their, you know, their vaginas. I mean, I, I just don't know where it ends, because it's only going to get worse. I mean, literally, they're dry-humping the stage like they're strippers. I mean, there's even, I think, I don't know for sure, but partial nudity. I mean, look at the outfits they're wearing. This is every pedophile's dream. And if this is not any indication at all that the elites are heavily involved with pedophilia and pedophilia rings and all these different children's sacrifices, then I don't know what is. I mean, the the child sex ring is not a joke. And when the director was asked about this movie, she defended it as uh, feminism. So, you know, feminism, you you know, you guys are a bunch of whores. You guys smell. You're unhygienic. Not these girls. I'm not talking to the kids. I'm talking to the actual feminists who are causing the problems in our streets who are acting entitled, acting like their shit don't stink, act, you know, creating this narrative of war on men, you know, trying to make men less masculine, you know, as we refer to these men as soy boys. Um, but it's, it's a whole nasty culture, and they can't have it both ways. You know, feminists say, oh, women, 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 equality, equality, treat us, treat us like we're humans. But then they get out there, and they go, you know, uh, take provocative photos, you know, they go on their whatever, their social medias, you know, they'll go attention, uh, get uh, male attention uh, in, in very, you know, sexual ways. So it's like you want to be respected, you want to be treated like a lady, but then you do the opposite. But going, going back to, and 
by the way, that had nothing to do with, with this whole children thing. I just wanted to say that these older feminists are setting the terrible standards for these young children because what they're doing is they're promoting and enabling this sexual culture at such a young age. I mean, 12 years old? Really? I mean, how is Netflix getting away with this? I mean, they were on CNN. They've been on all these talk shows lately, and none of these liberal stations have asked them about it. They haven't said one word about it. Um, It's disgusting. It's out of control. I mean, there, there, there is no justification or excuse for this sort of behavior. And think about who's behind Netflix. All these people on the, involved with the Obama administration, um, all these different nasty, uh, you know, very dirty elites. Um, you know, it, it just, it's, it's like follow the money. It's a never-ending cycle. And, I mean, this is, not, this, is, this is not the first film of controversy from um, Netflix. I mean, they, they've been involved with so many different uh, things. And their subscriptions after this Cuties movie came out, I mean, they, they started sinking. I mean, people are pissed on both sides. They're like, I, I don't want my child to see this. And, and if you really look at the narrative of the movie, it's about a girl that runs away from home, and she, you know – it goes because basically in a way becomes a stripper. I mean, not, not fully, but I mean, you get, you get the idea and what's, what, what do the Democrats want to do in America? What's their whole objective? They want, they want to disrupt the homes. They want to divide families. I, you know, <laughs> I'll tell you what, Netflix is getting way too political and, and they're getting, they're crossing the boat. When you get children involved, and when you try to normalize this sort of um, vile, vile ideology, uh, then you're, you're getting into third world, uh, you know, areas. I mean, think about this is what they believe in places like Iran and Iraq and like this is what Islam believes are. I mean, it's, it's sick. It really is sick. There's no excuse for it. Uh, finally, last thing I want to bring up, uh, the NFL, I mean, what a joke. I mean, what a complete shit show. Uh, week one, uh, week one, their NFL ratings, I mean, they just collapsed. I mean, just sunk terribly. Um, awful. Sporting events to hear players talk about politics. We go to these, you know, situations and these events so we can get our mind off of politics. We go there to pay to, we pay to be entertained. You know, and, and these people are in a business. They're in a job. You know, you're never supposed to mix politics in business, ever. I mean, there's no excuses. I mean, and, you know, they, they're putting cop killers and all these different people in honor on their helmets, on their jerseys. You know, we, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. And it sends the wrong message, and they're kneeling for the flag. And, and get this, they have a black national anthem now. Tell me that's not racist. Tell me that's not racist. But the, and they'll stand for that, but they'll kneel for the American national anthem. I mean, we're all Americans. Let's face it. We're all Americans. We all bleed the same blood. I don't, we should never look at color. You know, look at character. Look at how people act. That's, that's the American way. That's the way, you know, society is supposed to operate. 
And I mean, you know, saying how how is that not racist? You know, having your own black national anthem. I mean, what what the hell? You know, and they're they're just you know, and the military. I mean, the, the way they disrespect the military, the the way some of them are staying in the locker room. I mean, you know, you would think after last year when their ratings collapsed, they would and sunk. They would actually change their business model, but they're just redoing the definition of insanity, and which is you know. Uh, repeating the same behaviors, expecting a different result. Yeah, I, I, I just can't. I can't deal with these people. I really can't. I can't. Um, let's see here. I want to make sure we have with us. Let's see. Make sure I have my guests with me. Okay. I believe he's with us right now. We have DC Insider and best-selling author, of the permanent coop, Lee Smith. Lee, how are you? Welcome to the Rory Sauter Show. Hey, Rory, how you doing? Great to be with you and with uh, with your great audience. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, we got we got quite a bit of, quite a bit of people on tonight. Um, Listening to 25 countries. Yeah, man, and uh, I'm happy to have you here, man. I I love your work. Um, I've been following. That's you very for a kind. While. Thanks uh, for bringing me on. Thanks. Yeah, your your first your first time on the show. Uh, tell everybody a little mm-hmm. bit about yourself. Uh, well, I've been, uh, as you said, I live here in Washington, D.C. now. I've been working in journalism for a while. In the last few years, I've been following the, the, um, you know, the, the operations against Donald Trump. And the most recent book is titled The Permanent Coup, How Enemies Foreign and Domestic Targeted the American President. And it's really about the ongoing serial operations targeting not just Trump and his supporters, but also the foundations of the Republic. So that's really been the bulk of my work for the last several years, just following this story and trying to get out word as much as possible. And and correct me if I'm wrong, Lee, but a a lot of that work uh, went into this book, The Permanent Coup, correct? Just basically you doing all this thorough research and a lot of different investigations and kind of doing your own due diligence? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I spent uh, I've spent a while doing it. I wrote a, a book previous to this called The Plot Against the President, the true story of how Congressman Devin Nunes uncovered the biggest scandal in U.S. Uh, history. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reporting, reading a lot of documents, speaking to a lot of people, trying to get to the bottom of what's been happening. And it's not just, of course, about the, you know, about the Russiagate hoax. It's also about the nonsensical Mueller investigation and Ukraine gate, the, you know, the fraudulent impeachment process, weaponization of the coronavirus, and now the raising and looting of American cities. So this is what we've seen for the last, again, the last four years, even since even before Donald Trump was elected in November, 2016, we've seen an ongoing operation targeting, you know, targeting an America first president. So what are the questions we need to ask if, if American officials, American journalists are targeting America first president, what's going on in the country? Yeah. I mean, and, and your, your, the title of your book, uh, define, defines the whole scenario perfectly. I mean, the, the perfect Thanks, coup, yeah. meaning, meaning they're, they'll do anything. They'll, I mean, and, and, and we saw this with, 
you know, in terms of how, how many things they tried to use to take him down. It was one fixation after the other, whether it was Ukraine, yeah. whether it was Russia, whether it, whether right. it was all these different fake whistleblowers, uh, whether it was, you know, racism, whether it was him tweeting. Right. I mean, they tried so many different things, and it, nothing ever stuck. And then they, the last resort was them destroying the economy with this whole corona thing. And I've said on my show many mm-hmm. times, I believe that a lot of D.C. Uh, politicians, uh, because especially since they get a lot of money from China and donations, had something to do with this virus coming into our country. They were behind it. A lot of them hate Trump that bad because he's exposing all their bullshit. And we see how dirty, uh, you know, the, the deep state gets and these establishment puppets when an outsider comes in there and, uh, you know, disrupts things for the better and really shines light on what's going on. I mean, look at what they did to Kennedy. Yeah, this is the this is the first time that we've had an outsider in the White House for quite a while. And I agree with you. I think that China plays a major part in that. I just had a, a new article out on Tablet Magazine just tonight saying that, yes, it's 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 partly about China, but it's mostly about the American tech oligarchs um, whose interests are tied to the Chinese Communist Party. Right. It's very important for them because Trump has, you know, Trump has sought to decouple the United States from China. And this goes right, cuts right to the core of, you know, what I call in the article, America, America's China class. So, yeah, China plays a very big part in this. Unfortunately, for America, a very big part in it. No, you're absolutely right. And, and, and talk, you know, talk about how, talk about the different, you know, parts in your book where you get into details about the scandemic. Um, well, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, I actually think, I mean, it, it's a real thing. I mean, the coronavirus is real. What's not, what I mean when I say that it was weaponized was that, you know, the, the way that the lockdowns were used to target Trump supporters, to target small businessmen, to target different Americans and reward others. I mean, for instance, in, you know, in Brooklyn, the, uh, in Brooklyn, New York, the mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, threatened, you know, threatened conservatives, threatened religious people, Orthodox Jews, conservative Christians, told them he was cut, shutting down their churches. They wouldn't be able to worship. And nonetheless, in the same place, the very same place, the same mayor celebrated, you know, Black Lives Trans Matter. Um, uh, it wasn't exactly a parade. It was more like a, a, a large party, a large event. So that's what I mean. I mean, I, again, people have gotten sick and people have died. So, you know, this, this, this virus is a real thing. But the way it's been used that's what I mean about weaponized, the way it's been used to target Trump supporters and the way it's been used as a, ra- as a rationale to, you're right, to destroy large chunks of the economy simply to get at Trump. I mean, the amount of businesses destroyed, the dreams that, you know, the dreams that were ruined, the families who've been, you know, the families who've been crushed by this just because these monsters wanted to get at Donald Trump. And Why? because Donald Trump wanted to protect American workers. So that's what they were doing. It's disgusting and disgraceful. And, um, you know, the American public will continue to make its voice, will continue to make its opinion known, not just now, not just election day, but throughout, 
And that's one of the things that I found out in my book. Americans are, while I believe that we're heading into dark and dangerous territory, our, our, our friends, our neighbors, our fellow Americans are extremely happy and feel blessed to be living in this moment, an incredibly meaningful moment where they get to stand up and speak out and articulate what they believe it means to be an American, what they believe our country stands for. So that's the optimistic. That's the good news that I bring. With all the dark news, that's, that's the good news. Absolutely. 100%. Very well, very well said, sir. And, and kind of get, you know, into detail about your, your chapter in regards to the whole Mueller scam. Um, mm. I mean, the biggest, perhaps the biggest hoax, and, and I know you talk about Spygate, you know, you talk about different mm. things. I mean, and we see the other day how they come out and say, oh, they accidentally wiped their phones clean. Oh, give me a break. It's right. the same sort of bullshit excuse that Hillary would give about deleting right. 30,000 emails. I'm so sick of the double standard. I mean, if this, was, if this was somebody like Donald Trump, I mean, they would be crucified. But all these other people get a right. pass. It, it's, it's, a, it's a shit show. Excuse my French. No, no. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. And that's what I mean when I say when I say that our, our, our neighbors, our fellow Americans are furious and outraged and uh, are making their opinions known. And they will make them known on Election Day. And they are making them known now. And they will make them known after Election Day because this is, this is, a, this is a, a serious struggle and a lasting struggle. It's not going to go away. No matter who wins uh, Election Day, the struggle for what our country will look like, it's not going to go away anytime soon. We're going to be fighting this for a while. I hope not. I hope not uh, actual pitched struggle. I hope that it's about uh, debating arguments, running candidates. I hope to God that's what it's about. Although I think that it's, it's wise to be cautious after the last couple of months to see again, the raising and looting of American cities. I think that, I think that it's also wise to be cautious and see what, see what people, see what people are doing, see the kind of violence, see the kind of mayhem and chaos that they're, you know, that they're uh, setting loose. And, and, and Lee, I wanted to ask you about this before you go. You know, we, we see Bob Woodward clown on the face of the earth. And, you know, I, I obviously have – There's a lot, lot of competition for – there's a lot of competition for that. But, you know, that, 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 uh, that's a reasonable vote, I think. Yeah. He may indeed be <laughs> the biggest but, clown. But, but yeah, I got I to gotta, I gotta ask you because, you know, yeah. and, you know he, he's quite the character. I mean, this guy yeah. – what is he, he's already come out with like three or – like I think it's three books in the last three years. Right. About about Trump and they were all supposed yeah. to crack the code. They were all supposed to be these, these huge revelations and mm. all this these big secrets. But in reality, it's just more fiction. It's just more garbage. It's just more tabloid redneck, yeah. and it, carry, it carries right. no merit. And, and and I wonder why is the president even talking to this loser? Why after especially after Bob Woodward slandered him yeah. on the first two books. You know, I, I, I mean, but Woodward is known for well, hating Trump. I just don't understand. Well, look, I mean, there's a lot look, of – and then, and then Woodward, you know, and then, you know, here's what's crazy. Last thing I want to say. Woodward said yeah, yeah. in an interview the other day, at the end of his new book, there's overwhelmingly evidence 
of of him breaking all kinds of laws and you know not being yeah. a, uh, an honest president and I mean just a joke, a joke, man. Right. Well, look, I think you have I think you have a very good point, and I I'm not too sure why why the president thought it was wise to speak to Bob Woodward. On the other hand, I did read an article the other day. You know this news story about how Donald Trump was supposed to be in, uh, oblivious or denigrating African-American suffering. But that's not really how that part of the book reads. I saw an article, right. an excerpt of that part of the book, and actually I thought it was hysterical. It's like Woodward is, Woodward is basically trying to get Trump to confess his white privilege. And Trump's like, wow, what is wrong with you? You really drank the Kool-Aid, didn't you? So I think if you actually, if you actually read what happened, Woodward looks just the right. way you described him as the he, biggest clown he tries in the world. To use, and, and, oh, yeah, he tried to race face sentences like that. He tried right. to say, oh, and then, well, Right, and then tr- Trump kind of gets the, Trump gets the last <laughs> laugh. He says, like, wow, man, you really drank the Kool-Aid. Listen to you. And he's right. Yeah. Any reasonable person yeah. says, God, Bob Woodward. I mean, that, how sad. This guy's, yeah. you know, this guy had this long career, not entirely – not entirely 100% legitimate, but here he is at the end of his career, probably yeah. in his twilight years, if he's in his 70s, and here's the guy who's mouthing the cliches formulated by corporate HR executives and um, adjunct professors at, 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 at downrate schools across the country throwing out this race garbage. And that's who Bob Wood, that's how he ends his career. So, again, in the sense, Donald Trump gets the last laugh on that one. That's how I see it. Right. I mean, we're looking, look at all the garbage that comes out. I mean, all these people make, you know, they can make a few million on, on these books. I mean, you've got Michael, sneaky scumbag, uh, dumbass Cohen uh, coming out with a book. Uh, I mean, I don't, that guy is the most unreliable, probably, and just an idiot, probably one of the most uneducated people I've ever heard talk or ever heard present themselves. I mean, he's a, he's just he's like a, I think the perfect like word for him he's a dweeb he's a dweeb I mean he's just a I mean he's just like that dumb <laughs> dumb type yeah. but like you know and, and then who else oh um, John Bolton comes out with a book which they're now investigating whether or not he leaked yeah. classified information you know so it's going to be interesting right. I mean but there has to be some sort of law I mean the way they slander the president the way they say all this untrue shit. I mean, you know, lawsuits are very hard. Well, that, but well I mean, I what mean, this really like, talks to this, well, this goes to the, this goes to two things, right? It goes to the publishing industry. It talks about how kind of degraded the publishing industry is, but they want to publish all yeah. this nonsense. But there's another thing, right? We have to admit as Americans living in a free market society, there's apparently a market for that stuff. So we have to ask right. who's buying it. And when you look at it, Right. It's the same thing as Russiagate, right? This is kind of the joke. It, it's the yeah. joke. Who are all these people who have been pushing a, a crazy, moronic conspiracy theory? It's our elite. Yeah. Who are the people who are buying these junk books? Who are the people that thought Michael Avenatti was a culture hero? It's the elite. It, it, it's insane. It's like right. these people cannot help themselves. They boast about their degrees. They boast about how smart they are. And this is the junk that they fill their minds with. This is the junk that they push on their children. They push on their families. So, again, I think yeah. there's another way to look at these things. It's like it's, it, it's sick. It's, it's depressing. Uh, uh, any country throughout history, any decent country, whether we're talking about 
Athens, whether we're talking about Rome, whether we're talking about the British Empire, should have a sound and decent, well-educated elite who helps inform the country and loves the country and wants the best for all of its citizens and for the country to succeed. What do we have? We've got a bunch of creeps. We've got a bunch of creeps and morons who are guiding the country and they think they're smarter than Donald Trump and Trump isn't even trying and he just outflanks them. So, I I mean, that's, that's how I see what's been going on the last few years. Lee, Lee, very well said. I really love talking to you. Let's get you back here very soon. Uh, tell everybody where they can connect with you and get involved and buy the book. Um, well, I mean, I always try to encourage people to check out their local independent booksellers. Again, the title is The Permanent Coup, How Enemies Foreign and Domestic Targeted the American President. And um, I hope people will check it out. They can find me both. Uh, they want to follow me on Twitter, uh, Lee Smith DC, or Parlor again, Lee Smith DC. And um, I'll post articles and other news there and uh, uh, wise-ass remarks and repost and whatnot. So I hope that your audience will follow me and uh, stay abreast of developments on my end, and I'll stay abreast of developments on your end. Amen, my friend. Amen. Really, really love having you here. We will talk to you soon. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun talking. I look forward to doing it again soon. Bye-bye. See you later. Take care. Absolutely. Cheers, my friend. Thank you. All right. See you. Everybody, we're going to take a quick commercial. Uh, We'll be right back. Stay with us. It's a beautiful night. Got a lot of people to get to on the panel. I will be getting to everybody, including everybody from the opening of the show for thoughts and comments. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, Please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for daily use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. 
Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision, or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to in 25 countries on 70 online platforms. It is a full night, everybody. I, uh, I want to introduce to the show, I believe he's with us right now. Um, we have a senior science advisor to the Men's Health Network, Dr. Salvatore J. Gianni. How are you, my friend? Hey, Rory, this is Joe Murray. Okay, hold on, hold on one second. I'm trying to hold on one second. Um, let's see here. I don't think we have one, one second. No, we don't, we don't have, um, Salvatore right now. So I, who, who I'll go to right now, I will go to, um, I believe he's with us. We have founder of Baldwin Research Institute and St. Jude Reach, Retreats, Mark W. Sheeran. Mark, how are you? Welcome to the Rory Sauter Show. Well, thanks for having me on, Rory. Absolutely, Mark. Uh, your first time on. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I, uh, uh, for context, I, I went to treatment when I was 19 years old uh, because I'd almost killed yeah. some people drunk driving, and I hated oh, it. Oh, damn. I, I wow. thought this, great, this great. idea that I was this hapless victim that was diseased with addiction and that I would be in recovery the rest of my life, I thought to myself, I can't do that. Um, and so I became a researcher, and I said, I'm going to build a better model for people. And I spent the next 12 years living at my first retreat, researching and figuring out really how to help people. I did the, the, the heavy lifting in the research world and, and, uh, and lived with my guests and figured it out. And then I spent the last 20 years fine-tuning that process, and we wrote a book, me and my team, um, and we, we've shown that uh, addiction is not a disease and that you can move past this and that you don't have to be stuck in recovery the rest of your life, that you can actually move past this thing for good. Wow. Wow. So go back just a little bit because I, I think there's various people, which, you know, I, 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 I agree with you in, in, in certain ways about it not being a disease. 
but I definitely know other people probably would disagree. But explain though, because it's interesting. Because I, I go, I'm in, you know, I go back and forth on it. You know, I, I think there's obviously a lot of people that can stop, um, but I've seen some people that are in pretty rough shape. But I mean, I guess it just depends, and I, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a hard, uh, sensitive subject. I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one, you know. Well, it, it is, and. Um, you know, when I say it's not a disease, I'm not saying that it's not a serious problem. I mean, we have just with opiates, we have 50,000 people that overdose and die every year. So this this isn't a small issue. Um, but the question becomes, are you compelled to use drugs and alcohol beyond your free will? Is there some force at work that's external to you? that forces you and compels you to use where you can't say no. And there isn't a shred of evidence that says that that's true. Now there's anecdotal evidence where you teach people that idea, which we've been doing for 70 years in our country. Um, and if you believe that it becomes true, I lived it. I know what it's like to have a gun in my mouth. I know what it's like to feel completely and totally wretchedly hopeless. Um, so I get it. But I also understand that when I uh, figured out the research and started to look at that, I said, my God, you know, um, this is a preference that people have because they feel they need it to be happy at some level. They prefer it when they do it. Now, just because something is terribly risky and has problems associated with it doesn't mean it's unchosen or that it's a disease. You know, we do lots of things that are risky that we choose. Um, we get in a car. That's a very lethal activity, statistically speaking, but nobody would call it a disease. Yet, you know, tens of thousands of people die every year in a car. Um, I was a boxer for many years, and you get in the ring, you get knocked out. I didn't get in the ring to get knocked out. I got in the ring to win. So when you get high, you get high because you want the benefits of that high on the front end. And then the consequences and costs and trade-offs come downstream. So it's important when we look at this problem to not do a reverse analysis where you look at the car accident, you look at losing your wife, you look at all the bad stuff, and you say, I hate getting high. That's not true. You like getting high. You just hate what happens because you get high. So there's a lot that you have to unpack with this problem. And here's the statistic that's the most important. In the largest study ever conducted on addiction uh, done by our government, they were trying to prove that treatment worked. And what they found is that when you factor in age, more than 91% of people get over their problem whether they're treated or not. In other words, as we get older, we get over the problem whether we're treated or not. That trend line goes up as you get older. It's, if it is a disease, it's the only disease that gets better as we get older. <laughs> that, that doesn't happen with diseases, okay? So, so there's a tremendous amount of evidence that says we're just good at problem solving and getting over problems, but the narrative is the opposite because the treatment industry makes $36 billion a year treating a disease that doesn't exist. So, so tell us, tell us about Baldwin Research Institute, uh, and you know, uh, and the St. Jude retreats, which is um, obviously the St. Jude retreats is the first residential non twelve step model for drug and alcohol problems in America. Yeah, well, I started the St. Jude retreat back when I was in my early twenties. That's that was the 
the research institute we started in in 1989 and it was me and jerry the original researcher i was 19 he was 48 he was a career researcher with a big world-renowned laboratory and he taught me how to research then i had the interest in addiction so we created the institute and then we needed a laboratory and the laboratory was the retreat that's where i lived with my guests and i did the observational study for 12 years and in that process I showed people that you didn't need the 12 steps to move on with this. Uh, it, it was actually detrimental to tell yourself that you're powerless over alcohol, right? Step one in the 12-step paradigm is that you're powerless over alcohol. Um, there's no, you're not powerless. You're choosing something. You prefer it. It becomes habitual. It becomes a very big problem. I don't deny that. Lived it. Get it. Um, but – you're, again, you're not compelled, and you're not powerless over an, an inert, lifeless substance. And this, so this whole idea was new because there was no alternative to treatment. There was no alternative to the 12 steps, and so I created it. I created it based on the facts. Now, there were some other alternatives uh, like moderation management came on the scene, um, and rational recovery was out. But nobody had done it in-house. Nobody had created a retreat where people could go and figure out how to move on with their lives. And so I was the first person to coin the frame non-12-step, an alternative. Wow. And and so let me ask you this. Do you think that a lot of, you know, when people say addiction is a disease, do you think a lot of times that's a justification and a a scapegoat and kind of a victim mentality and kind of basically avoiding responsibility and trying, you know, I I don't want to be insensitive to anybody. I don't want to be rude or, or, or come off you because I know, I know there are people struggling in the world that, you know, and, but I'm just wondering, I mean, is that how you look at it? And also another question, do you think the whole 12 step thing was produced and developed kind of into a cult? I mean, the way it kind of, and AA, same thing with AA. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I have a lot of different questions, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, do I think it's a cult? Yes. I think anything that uh, creates groupthink, where you're you're you you identify yourself. You know, I would I'd say, Mar- "Hi, my name is Mark. I'm an alcoholic." When I don't even drink, right? That's kind of weird. Hi, Mark. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's sort of a strange custom, and and that. And and then this idea that the group of drunks is, you know, G-O-D, God. You know, the, in other words, the people in the meeting are your God. Um, Bill Wilson's a prophet. He's the original co-founder of AA. They see him as a prophet. They won't change the big book of AA because it's, it's uh, you know, it came down from the heavens. These kinds of ideas are, are in bizarre land. Now, I went to 3,000 AA meetings. It's not like I don't understand the paradigm. I, I was a part of it. Part of the research in the early days was there was no alternative. So I went to rehab. I did the AA thing, and then I slowly extricated myself out of that cult. And that's how I learned that it was one, was by leaving and realizing that it was detrimental to my, my well-being and the well-being of the people I watched there. I also watched that their success rate was abysmal. It was 5% when if you just did a brief intervention, you'd get 30%. In other words, basically doing nothing gets you 30%. And, uh, you know, AA success rate is less than doing nothing. So 
I started putting the pieces together, and uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it is, it is a cult. It, it absolutely is. And I forgot your first question, so we, we have to uh, go back to that first, one. Uh, what was the the cult? So and then oh, I asked, the excuse, oh, the you, excuse of the disease. Yeah, the excuse. Um, do you think when people say addiction is a disease, do you think it's a justification, a scapegoat, an excuse to kind of avoid responsibility? I think it can become one. I want to be very careful with the listeners, and and it does sound like I'm being dismissive, highly critical, and that I think there's some sort of grand conspiracy. I don't think it's any of those things. I think it's a a system that has developed based on funding. And in the 50s, in the early 50s, they declared alcoholism a disease because they needed health insurance to reimburse the hospitals for detox and this new idea of treatment. Keeping people out of right. prison, money, essentially. money, 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 money. Right. There was no, there was no evidence that there was a disease. They declared it one. It's one of those odd things in in the DSM, the Diagnostic Manual, that got declared a disease. And and it was about third party reimbursement. It was about health health insurance reimbursing, and they needed a diagnostic code to reimburse. So that's where this thing came from. So in the beginning, the intention was a good one. You know, that is, let's keep people out of prisons, let's get people off the streets, let's help these people. Um, but a lot of a lot of bad roads are are paved with good intentions. And if you if your premise is wrong, if the, if there is no disease and there isn't one, but you tell people there is one, cons- the consequences of making that policy are dire, because you're basically telling somebody they have cancer when they don't have it. You know. That's wrong. That's simply wrong. So now you're, you're treating something that doesn't exist, which is a huge distraction from a person simply looking at whether they want to continue, whether they want to moderate, whether they want to adjust their use, whether they want to switch from heroin to pot. Well, you know, there's all these different things that people could do that could improve their situation, but we're fixated on the fact that you're this powerless, hapless victim and you need to go to treatment and pay. So, right. so that, I that's what's – yeah, that's what's – that's the problem. That's the fundamental problem with a blanket policy that's based in a falsehood. Well, Mark, very, very well said. I, you know, I, I, I do enjoy talking to you. I want to get you on here again very soon, and we can go all into this because I think it's – you know, this subject is very relevant for – especially with what's going on in today's society and – um, but, Mark, tell everybody where they can get involved, where they can connect with you, all that good stuff. Sure. Um, if, you, if you're in crisis and you need to get away, you can, you can contact us at 888-424-2626 um, and, or go to soberforever.net, and that website is for the St. Jude Retreat. If you want to get my book, The Freedom Model for Addictions, you can go to thefreedommodel.org. I love it. I love it, man. Well, well, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it, man, and let's get you back soon. Thanks, Roy. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. A real pleasure. Thank you. Um, I want right, to welcome to the show. I believe, I, I believe we have with us, we have um, Senior Science Advisor to the Men's Health Network, uh, Dr. Salvatore uh, Giorgiani. Uh, Salvatore, how are you, doctor? I'm fine. Good afternoon. How are you? Uh, doing very well, my friend. Welcome to the Rory Sodder Show, your first time on the program. Tell us a little bit about yourself. 
I work uh, with the Men's Health Network, which is a 26-year-old organization that focuses on the overall health and wellness of boys and men and their families in America. Uh, And uh, we're uh, basically following lots of issues involving boys and men, everything from the high suicide rate uh, that we see in boys and men to the issues of conditions that affect men, uh, prostate cancer, cardiovascular disease, uh, and also, very importantly, the impact that COVID-19 is having on men. Uh, uh, Unfortunately, men, once again, uh, are disproportionately affected by uh, COVID-19, particularly uh, African-American men and Latino men. And, man, I'll I'll tell you, you know, God God bless your soul, first of all. I want to give you high praise because, you know, in today's society, all we hear about is women's rights. I mean, all we hear about is feminists. And, you know, when, when, when somebody tries to bring up men's rights, you know, they, they, sometimes they get called a sexist. So, I mean, this is really something that takes an action on more. I mean, men have been left out of the equation. I mean, women have, um, you know, I mean, whether it's the Me Too movement, whether it's, you know, I mean, just, just all these different war, war on men. I mean, it, it, it doesn't end either. I mean, you know, especially – um, you know, with, with just, I, I don't know, man, I, it's just, it's a weird, weird time. And we're not enough people are focusing on the facts. Like men commit suicide way more than women, men, um, you know, uh, what else? Uh, men have more addiction problems than women. We don't talk about, we don't talk about that. Men ha- get more jail, get put in jail more than women. I mean, I could go on and on with facts and nobody is addressing this enough. I mean, I guess, you know, we have good guys like you who are out there fighting the good fight and really shining light on this pivotal issue, but there's not enough. Well, thank you for recognizing that, Rory. It is, it is a big problem. You know, part of the dilemma is that many uh, feel uh, that men have it all uh, and that women have been overlooked in many areas of society uh, and healthcare right. included. Unfortunately, uh, you know, men do have it all. Of the 10 leading causes of death in America, uh, men lead in nine of the 10, and they have for decades. In fact, men live, I think now it's about 5.1 years uh, shorter than do women, and they have more of the condition. So, true, men have it all. They have higher death rates, they have higher morbidity, disease conditions, and they have less attention being paid to, paid to them by the federal government in health care policy. Not, you know, there's a line in the NIH for women's health research, Rory, but there is no line for men's health research. That's a fact, and that's right. a shame. It is, and, and I mean, it's just, it, it really, you know, I mean, you, you, talk, you talk about, we look at the, the whole uh, trying to divide families, you know, politicians are responsible for the war on men. I mean, especially the left. I mean, with how they've used the motto, always believe women, always, even though women lie constantly, you know, about false allegations, about rape or whatever. Um, you know, they've created this whole narrative that, you know, men are um, just monsters. I mean, it, 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 they're, you know, and that, uh, and they've taken, like, the masculinity uh, out of men, you know, they, they've, ta- they've 
turned men into soy boys, and they've allowed they mm. want women to wear the pants, and that's not how old school culture is. And you know, um, using you know having you know having a woman or a wife now cook you dinner is considered sexist. Uh, as far as I can remember, that's how it's always been. So I mean, there's so many weird, weird um, feminists and and and, and anti men groups out there that keep dividing our country and it's terrible yeah the issue of suicide i'm getting ready to do a a conference men's health network is convening the second of three conferences series on uh, mental health and behavioral health and boys and men men just don't have a lexicon that allows them to talk about emotional hurt emotional problems uh and i think that's one of the that and stigma uh, men just do not want to talk and admit that they're that they're blue or or feeling low or uh, depressed, and that leads to a downward spiral, uh, similar to some of the issues that your previous guests were talking about with regard to addiction. Uh, and uh, we're getting ready to have another conference here on Friday to talk about the importance of communities in helping men be supported when they have behavioral health issues. And that's that's something we just don't see. It's around for women. Uh, there are a lot of women's groups that are there that help provide support. Women convene them. Women uh, go to them. Women encourage them. But we just don't see that for the men. And as we move into the era of COVID, we're also seeing a tremendous uh, three-pronged pressure on men uh, because of COVID in the behavioral health arena, the clinical condition, uh, the financial condition, uh, and then also the, the family circumstances that are being terribly disrupted because of COVID. So we're really, uh, you know, men, unfortunately, here again, are not, just do not have proper uh, uh, resources for them to help address these issues. Yeah, and, and how do we how do we fix this? I mean, more and more people are stepping up, right? I mean, you know, uh, I can't even, you know, I, we need to be protected because I mean, you see all these innocent men going to jail. You see, you know, uh, men, you know, constantly attacked, and they're supposed to. I mean, it's, you know, there's this whole thing with feminists where they can treat the men however they want, and the men have to respect them regardless. I mean, there's this whole chip on the shoulder of, of various women, uh, especially on the left. I mean, it's really, I mean, relationships are, are becoming toxic because of this political ideology. Um, you know, you've got high divorce rates. You've got, I mean, it goes on and on. Yeah, I, I can only talk about the medical But I will, I will say that, you know, one of the things that guys have to do is they have to take a page out of the women's health playbook, Rory. Men have to take personal responsibility for their own health and the health of their families. And media, unfortunately, has played a longstanding role in acculturating men and boys when they're watching TV at tender age of two or whatever, uh, to thinking that health care is really a woman's responsibility, not a guy's responsibility, and that men should walk around hurt, whether it's emotionally or physically, and uh, suck it up and take it like a man kind of thing, which is the first thing you hear from uh, from your mom or dad when you fall down as a little guy. 
And so men have right. to take a page out of the women's health playbook, which is be active and be responsible for your own health and the health of your families. Yeah. And the whole movement, the whole movement to destroy men, you know, by these feminists, it's not about equality. I mean, women want to talk about equality. It's about superiority. And that's what it's really about. It's about, it's about taking something over that, you know, and, and really if they want equality, then how about they start doing a lot of the, the hard work? Why don't you, how about you get the rake and you get the shovel and you get the lawnmower? You really want equality ladies? I mean, a lot, you know, and no offense to women, but a lot, there's a lot women, you know, can't do that men can and vice versa. So, you know, that's, it's one of those things. You know, one of the highest rates of uh, suicide and and mental health issues uh, is in the construction industry. Uh, And that's primarily, it's not exclusively now, which I think is a good thing. It's primarily guys. And a lot of that is driven by, you know, the, the pressure that is on men. And that's just being exacerbated in the age of COVID. It, it really is a big problem. So we're going in this yeah. conference to look at some of the things that have been done uh, in various right. communities to help support men. Yeah. And there are a lot of programs, but there's not a lot of money to get the word out about the program. So one of the things that we'll be doing right. in our program is cataloging those and pushing those messages out. Yeah. No, I hear, I hear you, man. Well, I appreciate everything you're doing. Let's get you back here soon. Uh, tell everybody where they can connect with you. Men's Health Network uh, is on, online, just like everybody else. It's www.menshealthnetwork.org, www.menshealthnetwork.org. And now we're also gearing up for information on uh, corona vaccine, which is coming down the pike quickly. And uh, here again, men have a lower-than-usual vaccination rate uh, and one of the things Men's Health Network is working on is to help answer questions so that guys feel comfortable being vaccinated and getting their families vaccinated. Absolutely. I love it, man. Well, thank you so much, and let's talk soon. Hey, have a good evening. Thank you. I want to introduce to the show, I believe he's with us right now, we have political consultant and talk show host John Steubens. John, how are you, buddy? Hey, what's going on, Roy? Ah, oh, man, just another day, just another episode. Uh, you know, uh, I'll tell you, a lot going on, though, man. What's on your mind? What's new? How's everything going? Ah, uh, man, I'm, I, to be honest with you, I'm exhausted. <laughs> uh, in a good way, just uh, putting in 18, 19-hour days on. right now. Imagine. You're a busy guy. you got a lot going on. Yeah, I did. I caught something you said earlier that really is bugging me as well, uh, and I don't really want to have to hear it again either. It's uh, every time you turn the news, it's uh, you know uh, a black man was uh, you know possibly shot by this or that or uh, something about a black man. It's, it's 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 you know I never hear them say that when it's a white man. Uh, right. Exactly. Or, you know, it, it's all, it's always for a black man. Yeah, and, and here here's the thing. And here's another thing I didn't really bring up earlier. I mean, everybody wants to jump the gun. Everybody wants to, you know, jump to an uh, some sort of conclusion 
after they see a 30-second video without having any sort of evidence. It's, it's mind-blowing. Yeah, it is. But, I mean, it's just the, the thing about it is, is you watch how the media stirs the pot. And, you know, they don't have I, – I mean, I thought I remember – maybe I was wrong, but I thought I remembered a while back, a couple of years ago, where everybody said that they weren't going to be uh, calling out whether it was a white man or a black man anymore, that they were doing away with that. And and yet here we are, and I hear it every single day, and, uh, you know, and then I get in my car and I drive around and I see black people driving brand-new cars. It doesn't, they don't look oppressed to me. So I, I, I don't know where the uh, narrative is coming from, if you drive into the ghettos, there's white people suffering, there's Hispanic people suffering, there's white people suffering. So, uh, you know, I don't understand where we decided that, you know, only black people were going to get special privileges and uh, the Hispanic people, the white people, the Asian people, to hell with them. No, I know. I, I hear you, man. I mean, it, it's one of those things. I mean, it's, I, I just... You know, and, and that's what I've always said. I mean, you know, you want you want to talk about white privilege, like people want to talk, want to bring up that racist term. But what about all those poor white people? Are they privileged? What about the homeless white people? And what what about what about the you know what about the the rich black people? Why can't we say black privilege? I mean, come on, why why can't we? I mean, white privilege is such a ignorant and uneducated term, and it has no meaning. In our society, I mean, I just laugh when I hear it because it sounds so ridiculous. Well, you saw what President Trump did a couple days ago because of the uh, the army and the FBI, and yeah. you know, even our, even our nuclear scientists being forced to take these uh, these uh, white guilt classes to teach them about their white guilt. And President Trump said, "No, no, no, we're not doing that." And that has to bleed over into our schools because BLM has infiltrated the teachers' unions. They're forcing uh, the 1619 Project. They're forcing uh, ability to shame white kids in front of the black kids. Um, it, it's just, it, you want to talk, I mean, it's, it, you want to talk about racism? Um, the civil rights era is going to pale in comparison to what you're seeing now because now you have state, what's, what, depending on where you live, if, if you're in a Democrat-run city, Democrat governor, you have what is now state-imposed racism. State-imposed. Okay? So uh, but that's what's happening here because the Democrats want it. They want it. And, um, and it's just... Uh, People have to stand up and fight back on this and push back, whether it's your kids in school. You cannot allow them to be indoctrinated. And it is for college campuses, too. Uh, President Trump needs to pull the funding on these uh, campuses that don't allow free speech or conservative speech. He needs to pull that funding. I know that he already threatened to do that. Yeah, he needs to follow through with that. Uh, and I'll it's high time to do that. No, absolutely, and you bring up a really good point, you know, and I've talked about this many times. I mean, it's sad that the politicians have now used uh, as a political pawn. I mean, they, they're using it they, – I mean, they're, they're treating this as politics, as a partisan – I mean, these people are as evil as can be, 
Um, I really think we need to do investigations into universities and possibly defund mm-hmm. a lot of them. I think public schools need certain defunding because we see what kind of indoctrination goes on at public high schools. It's not good. Yep. There's a lot of violence in a lot of public high schools. And I think we really need to look more into trade schools and expand on trade schools because when you go to trade school, you're actually learning what you're going to go into business for and what you're actually going to, you know, have as your primary career. And there's usually openings yeah. right away. People go, people go to yeah, these colleges. Yeah, and you're not going to end up with six figures of debt either, uh, number exactly. one, number two. Exactly. You're not going to have all this. You're not going to have all this student loan. I mean, I know so many people. I know so many idiots that have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt. I mean, I mean, I'm just like, why? I mean, you know, it's like useless degrees. These colleges are a cesspool, and something needs to change. Quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah, and they're holding out for a managerial position like Eddie in Christmas Vacation, right? So um, it's, it's just Randy ridiculous. Randy Quaid, cousin Eddie. Randy Quaid, cousin yeah, Eddie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's a big Trump but, supporter. Uh, Randy Quaid's a big Trump supporter, too. I'm sure you see him on I, Twitter. I, I, know, I, I know he is. I'm just, I was just talking about his character in Christmas Vacation. Uh, but yeah. uh, but I'll Love tell you what. Love that. Dennis is a Trump supporter. His brother, Dennis, is a Trump supporter, too. But he doesn't really advertise it because he's more A-list, obviously. He's getting a lot of roles, and you know Hollywood will crucify him. Sorry, go ahead, though. You were saying something. No, that's okay. Actually, Dennis, I'm glad you brought Dennis up because uh, um, uh, we start uh, production on Reagan um, here uh, in, in a couple of days, and uh, Dennis is starring as Ronald Reagan. So, um, what? Wow. Exciting. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Great cast. John Voight's in the film as well, and. Uh, What's that? Tell us about this, this film you're involved with. Well, it's Reagan. Uh, it's, uh, Mark Joseph is the executive producer. He's uh, the same guy that uh, uh, produced the documentary No Safe Spaces about uh, conservative speech on college campuses with Adam Carolla and Dennis Prager. Dennis Prager. And uh, like I said, it goes into production here uh, right away uh, down in Oklahoma. So that's going on. And I uh, working on I'm working on Carter's documentary right now. I had uh, Carter on the show uh, last week, and uh, got a role in right? an intense interview. Carter Page, right? Yes. Excellent, man. It's, you're working on a lot of big stuff, John. I mean, you're. You're you're uh, you're getting yourself out there. You're you're really doing a lot of patriotic activism uh, work, and I love it, man. I'm lo- I'm loving every step of it. I mean, what what are some of the co- upcoming? I, I know you have different things in the works. I know you've got your show. I know you got you know this. You're yeah. working on this Reagan thing. Reagan thing. You're working yeah, on well, Carter Page. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on Carter's documentary right now. Um, trying to get our deal closed yeah. on that. Uh, yeah. I want to have that uh, have that released before the election, and then um, um, on my show the last couple of weeks, I've and I've had uh, had uh, two opponents of the squad. Uh, today I had on Buzz Patterson. Uh, tomorrow Love I've got. Him. He's, uh, been on, he's been on my show many times. Love Buzz. Buzz is awesome. Yeah, he yeah, we talked about Bill that. And, uh, he used to work for Bill Clinton. He used to work for Clinton. He told so yes. many stories. That guy has every story known to mankind. I love, I love him. He, as a uh, 
Yeah, he uh, and he used to carry the nuclear bomb on his on his uh, yes on his plane, which is quite it. interesting. Yep. Yeah, he, that was an awesome uh, story. I love. Yeah, that was great. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I've got Eric Early coming on. He's running against Adam Schiff. So yep. that'll be a great California, show yep. tomorrow. Um, and uh, like I said, you know, we've been we've been going after the squad. We've been attacking in New York and California and Michigan and all these right. different places around the country. Um, yeah. And uh, trying to get conservatives over the finish line right now. I love it. I love it. Well, John, tell everybody where they can find your show and connect with you. Uh, well, they can find me several places. Uh, on YouTube, Indivisible with John Stubbins. Facebook, Indivisible with John Stubbins. And on Twitter, John M. like Michael Stubbins. So John M. Stubbins it. is my handle. Uh, and you can also, if you want to get involved with our Opportunity Zones with the President, uh, that's something else that we're doing. I'm working with Leon Benjamin out of Virginia on that through Tim Scott, and uh, uh, you can go to our men's ministry. It's thefirsthour.com, thefirsthour.com. And uh, if you want, you can order a free copy of The First Hour uh, for men from the website, and it will be mailed right to your door. I love it. I love it, dude. Well, we'll stay with us. We got about another hour left in the show. Um, a lot, a lot, a lot of, a lot more stuff to get into. I always love your company and the value you bring. And uh, keep up the good work, man. Let's let's get you on uh, again next week. All right, brother. Thank you. All right, man. God bless. Uh, I want to welcome lawyer and retired NYPD police officer uh, Joe Murray. Joe, I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts about the show. Hey, going on? Take take it away, man. The, the floor is great. yours. Listen, I gotta say, John John Stubbins is doing such a great job with his show. I don't know if you ever watched it. Uh, yeah, great. Fantastic. He just had John Cummings on there. I gotta say, you know, I, I'm really happy to report from New York at least the Republican yeah. Party is really pulling together. Uh, and I'll tell you, last year I ran for district attorney as the Republican. Challenger, and I, and I was very disappointed because the party is so fractured, so much infighting uh, going on, uh, you know, s- struggle within the party. But this year, this year, because of everything going on between COVID, between the riots and George Floyd, people are pulling together and jumping in, helping out with each other's campaigns and, and promoting each other. I, I'm just so... I'm so proud of, you know, New Yorkers being New Yorkers as it is, but, you know, the Republican Party that is so downtrodden over the last few years, we've really been taking a beating. But now coming together, and I'm I'm telling you, you're going to see some shockers uh, with the election. There's going to be some upsets. I think John Cummings is one of them. There's another guy, George Santos. I don't know if you ever had him on your show. He's running against Tom Swazi. He's picking up steam. There's uh, Tom Zemich over here running against Grace Mang. There's so many people, and they're out there. They're in the street. They're meeting the people. And I got to tell you, there's so many people now because crime and, and quality of life are the two biggest issues, two biggest things. It doesn't matter. You can't run your business. 
when there's high crime and, and quality of life and homeless and all this other problems. You, it doesn't matter how good the schools are if you can't let your kids go and come back from school or play outside. The neighborhood right. is taken the beaten. Homeowners, property values, taxes, revenue, we are all facing a disaster here in New York. And I've heard it from many Democrats who are saying, hey, listen, Joe, just keep it between us. We're voting Republican this year, you know, and that's what brought in Mayor Giuliani. I was a police officer. I joined in 1987, and New York was a disaster back then. And and it was under Koch, and I happen to like Koch. Uh, It was under Koch, but then Dinkins took over, and it really just got so much worse. Well, Giuliani ran against Dinkins in the first election and lost. It was close, but he lost. But when it got bad enough and we had – that we had the uh, Crown Heights riots, and then we had the Washington Heights riots, and people, again, public safety and quality of life. And it didn't matter because Democrats pulled in with Republicans and elected Giuliani. That's what's happening here. And there's a guy, Bill Pepitone, another retired New York City police officer. I met him recently. We've been talking. He's running for mayor. Uh, there's some other good candidates stepping up. I, I really do think this year, more than any other year, criminal justice, police, police reform, these are all the big issues that are coming on, and we need experts. There's no room to just learn as you go here. We need people that know what they're doing, that have experience, that can maintain and and. Uh, restore the public safety that we had. I mean, just to, you know, give you a comparison, back in 92, I believe we had 2,200 homicides. Either 22 or 2,400 homicides in New York City. It was, I think, last year we were under 300. It's amazing, a dramatic change. But now the homicide rate is is really skyrocketing. The shootings are up. They disbanded anti-crime. Anti-crime is the plainclothes officers. These are the real hunters that go out there proactively looking to stop people who have guns from before they commit crimes, before they shoot and kill people. They're the ones that are helping the black community, the Hispanic community, more than anyone else. So what do they do with all this hysteria and defund the police? They disband the anti-crime units. Who are you hurting? There's no shootings in my neighborhood. Who are you really hurting by doing this? You're hurting the black community. I tell people this, and it's just shocking how they're such loyal Democrats. They're actually slaves to the Democrat Party, and the Democratic Party abuses them because they always act against their interests. And I, I, I just can't stand it when I see stuff like this and people are, are you know, I, it, it's so funny how the, the perspective that people have, you know, we had uh, in uh, Seattle when they took over the police precinct and stuff like that, we started yeah. to see that here in New York and they tried to take over the 88th precinct and the 88th precinct community, black community came out and made a human chain surrounding the precinct, protecting the precinct. They know we need our cops here. 
we need our police here. And they stop these Antifa people and BLM from trying to take over the 88th precinct. People that live here and know in the neighborhoods that they live in, the shootings that are going on, they know how important the police is. The police are. And I just had, I'm also a criminal defense attorney. So I just recently, uh, it was Friday night, I have a new client who was arrested with a firearm. And I talked to the guy, and he's from East New York. And unfortunately, he's living a law-abiding life. He has a, a nice business. But because of a prior conviction, he can't qualify for a firearm license. However, he sat in his neighborhood, watched a friend of his get executed in front of him. He goes across the street when it happened. He's got a seven-year-old daughter. What is a guy like this to do? So he went and got a firearm and kept it in his car. But to his credit, and which is why I had no problem representing this guy, when he got pulled over and stopped, the officer asked him, and he just volunteered, yes, there's a firearm in my console. I only use it for public safety. I can't qualify for it. But this is what I'm talking about. Like, crime is out of control. And the citizens themselves are fearing that their police are not able to protect them. My client was telling me, he goes, Joe, when they got rid of anti-crime, I knew things were going to go bad. Things were going to go bad, and sure enough, on this guy, he lives in one of the most violent neighborhoods in this city. And, you know, what do you do? And I, I sympathize with this guy. What do you do? He had a heart attack recently, so he can't get out and fight and struggle with people. So, you know, it's just it's terrible what's happening. And these maniacs like AOC that are, are championing this defund the police and disband the police, they're out of their minds. But thank God for that because that's what's going to get a guy like John Cummings elected. The guy's a retired New York City police officer. He's been a high school teacher for 22 years. I used to teach criminal justice about 10 years ago, and I still keep in touch with some of my students. John's been teaching in the district for 22 years. We recently had a uh, pro-police rally in the Bronx in his part of the district, and we were just walking in the streets, and I couldn't believe how many people were coming out, yelling and supporting John. And then we had this one kid driving by on a bicycle. He was just in the neighborhood. And he goes, oh, Mr. Cummings, Mr. Cummings. He came over to John. So John looked over and he said, one of my students. He's grounded. He's got his finger. No, on I the know you told you told me about. You were telling me about that before, and and, and we, you know, you bring up a great point, Joe. And and the, and the the only way to solve this problem is to get more and more law enforcement running for office to get into Washington. Because when these sort of scenarios take place, like the violence, the rioting, the looting, you want people that have been on the front lines that know everything about criminals. To be, to be running the show. I mean, the politicians right now are limiting the cops to what the cops can do. So that's how much power the politicians have. So if we can give that power to the cops for the, them running for office, then, I mean, think about that. I, I think that's the answer, and I think that's really something that could fix a lot of these problems. Um, Joe, uh, I, want, I want you to stay with us, um, but tell everybody where they can connect with you. 
Well, you know, I'm working with Ed Mullins, the president of the SBA, the Sergeant Benevolent Association. He has a new platform that they're working off of. It's called InsideBlue360.com. It's also on Facebook, on Twitter. You can reach out to me over there, or Joe Murray Law on Twitter is my handle, and I'm happy to talk to anyone. Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. Stay with us. Uh, I want to introduce to the show, I believe he's with us right now. Uh, we have, uh, let's make sure, I want to go to uh, crime expert Carlo Cavazzuti. Carlo, are you with us? I certainly am, Rory. How the hell are you, man? What the, what the hell is going on? What's on your mind? Oh, you know, a lot of stuff. These pro athletes, uh, you know, they're going around putting names of rapists on their helmets. I, I mean, how much more disgusting can you get than putting a convicted rapist name on your helmet and say it's part of Black Lives Matter or it's uh, uh, social injustice or whatever? And then they suspend two high school football players from running across the field with flags that honor uh, Blue Lives Matter and the fire department. What the hell is this country coming to? Um, it, it, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. These, these athletes think they got all the answers. They don't have a damn answer. They, they just go off half-cocked. Um, they had somebody do everything for them their entire lives because they had a talent. Well, you know, why don't you step up and do something about the neighborhoods you came out of and to make the boys in those neighborhoods uh, take some more responsibility in their lives for what they're doing. Show them how to succeed. Show them how to get a college education. Show them how to learn a trade. But they can't do that. All they're concerned about is kneeling. And, you know, I don't watch them anymore. I love watching my football on Sundays, but I don't care anymore. I don't. Never yeah, watch the NBA, wa- the wa- NHL. I, I, didn't, I, didn't watch, I didn't watch it all the other day. I refuse to watch. I mean, I'm not condoning or enabling these idiots. And I mean, you know, we have so much other bigger problems in the world than a bunch of, watching a bunch of punks throw a ball. I mean, I used to love NFL Sundays. I used to love it. And, I, you know, I can't even watch my Seahawks anymore. So it's impossible to take them seriously. I, I especially, you know, I used to respect Pete Carroll, too. But now he made some freaking idiotic statement and got political a couple of weeks ago and tried to say that white people don't know what it's like. Uh, well, dude, you're a white millionaire coaching a bunch of black millionaires. I, I You know, I'm just fed up with it all. They're a bunch of hypocrites. They're all a bunch of fucking – uh, there are a bunch of uh, just. I'm just. I don't know. I, 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 I. I'm just fed up with it. I, I understand your. I understand, man. I understand your pain and your anger. I, I feel the same way. Yeah, you know, Robert Kraft had a great big. Has a great big, huge estate up in Brookline, Massachusetts. Uh, what is he doing? He's not doing anything. He's just there to, to make sure to his team keeps winning the game. He's going to the massage parlor. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Down in Florida. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and <laughs> hey, hey, Rory, whatever happened to our caravans of illegals that were coming up through uh, yeah, remember that uh, magically Guatemala and everything? Like one, it, was one, it was one stunt after the other with the Democrats 
you know, I forgot. I almost forgot about that. I mean, it was so long. It seems like it was so long ago. Yeah, it, it does. And they just went from one thing to another. And now you don't hear a word about it. Nobody's coming over the border or had the Mexican nope. police and the military taking care of the issue, probably because Trump, uh, he, you know, shoved something up their ass and told them to get on the ball and take care of the problem. We're not helping you anymore. Um, all of a sudden, there's no illegals coming across the border. And, uh, you know, and this idiotic mayor or governor from California talking about climate change is causing all the fires. Really? Well, oh, that's I read... another thing I was that, – that's the thing I forgot to bring up. I mean, here, here's the facts here about that. I mean, it's very clear that this is arson. And they're doing this so they can get federal money bailouts. Because if this was actually, you know, it, it just happened to be science and, you know, uh, climate change or whatever they want to fucking call it, then why isn't it going on up in Canada? Why is Canada okay, but Oregon, Washington, and California are completely screwed? I mean, there's so much more well, going on here, and it's dirty, and it's been going on for too long, and it's bad management, among many other things. Well, the guy they arrested, he gets out on bail, and then he goes and starts six more fires. What is going through their heads? Uh, I, I mean, when I was going through the police academy. Who's, hire, who, who's behind the scenes on this one? Oh, my God. It, it, I, I'd hate to think about it, uh, but what probably the same this usual guy, crew. Either this guy is mentally ill. Either they, which, I mean, if you commit, if you just go back and do the same thing, there's something really wrong. I don't know what to think of this whole thing. Or, or I mean, you know, he's getting paid by somebody, and they keep, well, he keep, they keep bailing him out? Did they keep bailing him out? Is that what you said? Yeah, they bailed him out the first time, and then he got oh, nabbed geez. for six more. So I don't know if they're still holding him <laughs> or not. And, uh, wow. Now, now, you heard about, you, you heard about the, um, uh, the two sheriff's deputies that were shot in Compton, right? No, of course. They talked about it at the beginning of the show. Yeah, just minding their own business yep, and yep. boom, boom. They, they mean, have it's the, terrible. It's awful. They have the shooter pinned down. And that was about an hour ago. I've been listening to you following oh, they the got story. The fucker. They got the cocksucker. They got it. They, 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 yep. They have him pinned down. So I'm guessing you know they're going to drag him, him out penalty. in a body bag. Give him, the, give him the needle. Give him the needle. Give him the death penalty. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Give Give him the fucking needle. Well, give him the, the give him the two twenty three needle. How about the fire squad? Bring back the goddamn fire squad. That was one of the best ones, man. I mean, exactly. if you really do something I, I would, that bad, you should be fire squad. Yep, public executions. You, you know, hell public, yeah, and let everybody watch. Public, let everybody watch too. Right. Public humiliation is the biggest deterrent to a Same crime. With that's what I learned. Same with that's what I all pedophiles yep, should get. Yep. All pedophiles should get, get should get the death penalty, and they should get the firing squad, and it should be public viewing. Everybody should be able to see it. Let's bring back the stocks. Remember the stocks <laughs> I mean, back thinking, in the old I mean, days. I wish the old days were still here. We've become too soft yep. as a society. We've become too soft, too too pussyish. I mean, you know, it, it's really. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I I, I am too. You, you know, I would love it 
if, if uh, let's just say a guy gets caught drunk driving, okay, his right. sentence is he's got to spend two days in the stocks, and you got a nice overripe bushel of uh, tomatoes or whatever is there, and he just gets pelted with them. And he serves the time in his community, not not where he got caught, but in his community. Every town would have their right. own set of stocks. And, right. you, you right. know, that's that's some uh, real humiliation there uh, where everybody can crazy. see you. Yeah. No, I'll tell you, it's just crazy. It's it's absolutely, um, you know, just and just sports. I mean, it's everything. Everything in society, PC culture, it's all a mess. Uh, Carlo, tell everybody where they can connect with you, where they can get involved, all that good stuff. Uh, well, my uh, website is cabazuticrime.com, and that's spelled C as in Charlie, A, B as in Victor, A, Z as in Zulu, U, T as in Tom, T as in Tom, I as in Ida, uh, crime.com. Uh, and I also can be reached on Twitter at cab. C A B forty five C. So it's forty five C. I love it. Stay but, with um, us. We got a little bit longer. We got a little bit longer left in the show. I, lo- I love having you with us. Uh, thank you, my friend. Um, I want to. I want to welcome. I believe he's with us right now. Uh, we have uh, the founder of Freedom First Net, an American conservative movement, JD Rucker. JD, how are you, buddy? Sorry, I can't the longest I've heard your show, and I have to tell you, it's sick. I mean, it's pretty awesome. You just get the best guess. I appreciate your kind words, man. I just keep learning learning new things. It's funny because you've had me on in the past, and I've come in, I, you know, you, you tell me 8 o'clock, I come in at 8, and I listen for a little bit, and then you have me talk, and I leave. And I didn't actually get to listen to enough of, of what's happening. I'm going to be listening every every time now. This is an amazing show. <laughs> Thanks, man. I, you know, I, I like to do this sort of roundtable layout, you know, kind of have everybody get their voices in, everybody get kind of their, you know, give their opinion, give the, you know, because a lot of people bring so many different, uh, you know, shares of, of insight and, and, and great value. So, I mean, it, it's really a, uh, a beautiful, um, just, uh, situation. I really love it. We enjoy it. No doubt. Well, you, you had John Stubbins on earlier, his Carter page interview played the day with freedom first networks, big show. We had it on with, uh, Marjorie Taylor green, getting interviewed mini AOC. She was a hoot. Yes. Uh, Nan, yeah. Nan Hayworth. She's a old former congresswoman up in New York, and then right. somebody, I don't. I think you've had him on your show before, but if you haven't, then you need to. Mike Cargyle out of California, running in California thirty-five. Yeah, good guy. I got to interview him. That was fun. So we had we had about a three and a half hour show today on, or I guess technically for East Coast, it would be yesterday on uh, Freedom First Network, and it, it it did very well. Got lots and lots of views. So, but we did get to lead off with John Stubbins, Indivisible, with uh, with Carter Page. So that was fun. Yeah, I love it, man. I love it. And the the network's growing more and more, and you guys keep uh, moving, moving, moving on up, and um, you know, m- more shows added, and I mean, just great content, and just a uh, 
a, a well-established, uh, you know, um, media site. I mean, it really, the way you guys put it all together, I mean, it's, it's very, very evolved. Um, and it's really making a huge impact and getting a lot of fans and getting a lot of great, you know, feedback. And uh, I just, I just love it, man. I'm, I'm really proud of you guys and I'm happy to be involved. I'm happy to have my show on there and I'm, I'm happy to be aboard for the, uh, the fun journey ahead, man. Cause I'll tell it you, it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you guys have a lot of great things in the works and uh, lots of potential to, I got to ask you something though, Rory, I got to ask you. Okay. So we've talked about a little bit and if I'm embarrassing you on the air, I apologize, but you know, if you ever look at me doing these shows, I'm doing these videos. Okay. I'm I'm like, I'm like a a hobbit. I'm like a troll. Okay. You got to look at some of these other people doing the, we're not exactly uh, Henry Cavill out here or Brad Pitt or anybody. I look at you, right. You know, you're a sharp dude. You're, you're a handsome guy. Why the heck aren't you doing video? Why why can't we we need to get you doing video because you're a star. Yeah. You look like a star, you sound like a star. I have in the past. I have in the past. Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. I want your audience to go find you on Twitter. Everybody who's listening, find you on Twitter and 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 tell tell Rory make the past the future with Freedom First Network by get getting on video, you know, putting on a suit, putting on yeah, we got D.B. Fugate. I don't know if you've ever had him on your show. D.B. Fugate, he just started with us. He's going to be uh, – he, he's airing every every Friday night. It's called the um, – oh, shoot, I just forgot the name of the show. The, 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 uh, the Nightcap, okay? He goes to these, these cigar lounges, right? And he, he gets cigars. He sits down with Eric Matheny, who you, you've had on your show as well. They sit there and they sip yeah. scotch, they smoke cigars, and all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. And then, and that's the that's the premise of the show. And you know, they just they just shoot the breeze, right, for like an hour, and it's really awesome. Point I'm trying to make though is that he he's smart. Okay, he's also a good looking guy. He gets people, he gets these these clothing clothing companies to uh, let them let him wear their Outfits. All he's got to do is say, hey, this suit today is brought to you by such and such. You know, thank you guys for letting me wear this awesome, you know, sick suit that, that everybody wants to buy now. I want to buy, buy his suit. That's for sure. Right. Um, you could probably yeah. fit into that same mold. Just just start calling around, get some tuxes, get some suits, and uh, just say, hey, well, I'll have, put you yeah, on. Yeah, I already, have, I already have a ton of suits. I, I definitely have quite a few, so I, I, that will be fine there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, I, I'll definitely get into video. I, I, I definitely, everybody keeps telling me to start doing it. I, you know, I, I and I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Just the radio thing was, I mean, you've seen me, man. If I can do video, if people are willing to watch me, they're going to, they would love to watch you. Okay. I promise you. I promise you. Oh well, yeah. man. Well, I'm, I'm, but yeah, it's been fun. I'm, I'm in, man. I'm I'm in. I'll start doing video maybe the next episode Thursday night for Freedom First if you guys want me to. I I do I do that'll be awesome. That will be yeah, awesome. Man. Um, Absolutely. But one thing we are. Did you hear that that uh, Daily Wire is moving all 75 of their employees out to to Nashville? They're finally leaving Los Angeles. Oh wow, that's insane. 
I think we, might, we might have to do the same. I was actually, while I was listening to your show, I'm sitting there looking at real estate in, in Los Angeles or in uh, Nashville. It's so much cheaper. I'm out here in Orange County, uh, just south of L.A., and it is, it's insane. We've talked about it. We've, well, we've all talked. Any conservative in California has at least at one point in the last couple of years I'm at, under Gavin Newsom. Yeah. We've talked about right. leaving. Now, well, I mean, you know, I, I, have my, I have my house in Arizona, but I also have a house here in Palm Springs, which is only like an hour and a half from you in, from Orange County. So I'm in Palm Springs right now, but uh, it's, there's a lot of conservatives down here. So Palm Springs is way more – Republican than a lot of other parts of California. Plus, I just I love yeah, but it gets the tough. environment down It's there. 120 degrees there, though. It's 120 no, degrees. I, I can't do that. Same man. with Phoenix, though. Same, I just can't. Same, same weather as Phoenix. I'm used exactly. To it. I wouldn't live I in Phoenix it. either. <laughs> no, I know. I got to come just up for that to reason, you, though, man. So, it's only an hour and a half away. I got to. My sister lives in my, my sister. My sister and her husband live in Newport Beach, so I got. I got no, up there. That's Jeff lives. Jeff Dornick, yeah, my partner. I got to come up there. Oh yeah, I got to come see him, man. I got to come see him. Um, but I'll tell you what, man. I lo- dude, I love having you on. Let's get you back Thursday, uh, JD. Tell everybody where they can find you and connect with you. Yeah, JD Rucker, uh, Twitter. It's easy. Best way. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. You take care, um, Rory. I'll talk to you Thursday. All righty, buddy. God bless. Um, I want to. I want to uh, go to Doctor Dr. Eric Aglier. Uh Doctor. We got I've got a few minutes left. Got about two to three minutes left. Just wanted to kind of give you the floor. Wanted to let you let you talk for a sec. No, no. Thank you very much again, Roy, for for having me on. Uh, it's always a pleasure. I know we had a, a pretty good conversation earlier, just about how things are going. I mean, right now we all have to keep our eyes open uh, to see what's happening with uh, how this election is going to go. Not too many. Uh, days to go, really, <laughs> and a lot of things. But one of the things I just want to go ahead and get people um, to eventually get into the mindset is like, you know, let's also, yeah, we have the election coming in 2020, but let's look at also how 2024 is going to look like. All right, we got midterms in 2022, then 2024. How's that going to look like? You know, I think that COVID 19 is going to be kind of like done after November 4th into <laughs> the election. All of a sudden, things are going to be more free and more open, like maybe going back to normal as uh, best as possible. Uh, I will have to say also that the markets, you know, I know some people keep saying, oh, the economy is going to go bounce back up, which it will. Um, But take a look at those markets. Take a look at all those earnings um, statements. I'm a big uh, economy guy. Follow the markets. I play the market. Also, um, NASDAQ is up by... I think right now it's uh, almost like a 13% or something like that right now. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Like it's even phenomenal. And I inve- yeah, I invest a lot in the stock market too. It's phenomenal. It's numbers like never seen before. I mean, I, I day trade. I do a lot of short-term and yeah. long-term stock investments, and I'm loving everything I'm seeing, I'll tell you. Yeah, so, so you see it, but uh, people that they don't play the stock market and they don't follow it as much, and they don't they don't actually see some of these numbers um where the money's flowing to who's who's uh, the big players and the big movers um but the economy is going up but, but you always have to be careful um around the, this time of year too because uh, usually some places they 
um, sometimes they lay people off on purpose. And I, I think it's so some sometimes right. seasonal around near the end of the year where they, but, it, but you know, of course they're going to give a big COVID-19 scare that, oh my God, our economy is going down, people are losing their job. But if you look at this, this is still more seasonal and traditional. Even right now, one of the yeah. things I've been following is a lot of the death rate. How is the death rate flowing from yeah. last year or the previous years? Yeah. To now, all of a sudden, you know, this big COVID-19, oh, my God, everybody's dying from COVID-19, it seems like. But the numbers are very steady and very comparable to the previous year. So that's, right. that's what I mean. We just got to go ahead and keep our eyes open and what's going on, what's Absolutely. happening. One, you know, 100%. Go ahead. No, I, agree, Eric, I, I agree. I agree. I got to close out the show, but tell everybody where no, no, they can find you real, real quick. Yeah, I mean, uh, my website still at ericforcongress.com, E-R-I-C-K-F-O-R, congress.com. You can see where I stand on the Perfect. issues. If you want to go ahead and donate, please Perfect. feel free. Rory, thank you so much, and hopefully everybody has a great night. Thank you. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, everybody, I want to thank you for tuning in tonight. I will see you all Thursday. Until then, I'm Rory Sodder. Mega, mega, mega. God bless everybody. Much love. Cheers. <laughs>